0: crisp and refreshing, put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at Michelob slash courtside LDA 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. After four years away, it's the return of a fan favorite, Arby's Brown Sugar Bacon Sandwiches. Stacked with sweet and savory bacon that will give you a candied feast for the senses. Available on BLT Roast Beef and Turkey Sandwiches. Try Arby's Brown Sugar Bacon Sandwiches today. Order the sandwiches online or on the Arby's app. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Limited time offer at participating U.S. locations while supplies last. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. I put up a new rewatchables on Monday. We did Searching for Bobby Fischer. We have a bunch of prestige TV things coming up, including we've been breaking down Fargo and we have True Detective coming back, which is a really good show. Jodie Foster is the star of this season. We're going to have Rob Mahoney and Joanna Robinson breaking it down. So if you're interested in True Detective, that I've seen the first couple episodes and you're going to want some friends to help break it down for you because there's a lot going on. So. Prestige TV, plus we have the watch. Chris Ryan, still cranking it out with Andy Greenwald. Coming up on this podcast, Howard Beck's gonna join me to talk about whatever the hell is going on with the Lakers, LeBron, possible trades, not just for the Lakers, but around the league that wouldn't shock us. So we're gonna hit all that. And then, Shio Kapadia from Ringer NFL Show and Ringer.com is gonna help me sift through a very complicated, kind of nutso week 18. What are we gonna do with million dollar picks? What are we gonna do about the Patriots? Why does it seem like they're actually gonna win? Oh my god, uh, it's all coming up next. First, our friends from Project. <laughs> All right, we're taping this Thursday afternoon. The NBA games have not started yet. Joining us is Howard Beck, who joined the ringer a few months ago and is now leaking to Shams Sharania that he's unhappy with the lineups and doesn't, doesn't <laughs> like what's going on. I why did you do that? Why would you leak to Shams? I don't understand.
1: You know, it's a coin flip every day who you're going to leak to among the newsbreakers, and today was Shams' turn. You know? <laughs> All right, that's uh, fine. Th- I, 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 don't, I don't like the rotations. I don't think the lineups. I have, I've lost faith in the coach. Uh, Matt yeah. Dollinger and I haven't spoken in weeks. Uh, you know,
0: Well, you could feel Mount Lakers something brewing, erupting. The volcano, you could feel it for the last week if you watch them at all. Uh, I noticed when I went to the Celtic game on Christmas Day, I was like, hmm, this doesn't look great. And I don't know if the Celtics are this good or if there's something a little off with the Lakers. Um, they are 111.9 offensive rating, which is 24th. So they have LeBron James, who's one of the best players of all time, one of the best offensive players of all time. And they can't get it going. The rotations have been all over the place. And then finally today, Alik, the sh- Shams, he's heard that the players are upset about the rotations. I hate the Lakers and I'm upset about the rotations. I don't know what's going on. Every three days, it's a different group. And it just feels like a mess. Howard, I really like this team. I had I thought just for from a future standpoint, My big FanDuel best this year, I had them for 45-plus wins. I thought they were going to be in the inner circle for for the title hunt. And I'm not that concerned about that piece yet, but this has gone badly. So what happened?
1: It's hard to put it on any one thing, Bill. And the thing is, like you, I bought into this team, right? I I was really down on them for the Westbrook uh, era there, and they fixed it. They fixed it at midseason. They fixed it last uh, February. I thought they got a good, they made a good trade uh, with one yeah. qualifier. Um, but they, they got good pieces back, better fitting pieces. And then they went into the summer and they fortified a little more. And Gabe Vincent was one of those pieces and he hasn't played because he's been hurt. So that's, that's part of the issue. But I bought in. I thought they had the right mix and maybe we were all wrong. Maybe Rob Palinka was wrong. Maybe we're back to where this team has been too often. Over the last few years, with the one championship year notwithstanding, which is you don't have enough playmaking and you don't have enough shooting. You mentioned them being 24th in offensive rating. They're 28th in three pointers made, they're 29th in three pointers attempted per game, and they're 24th in three point percentage. And in today's NBA, like there are some exceptions. Like if you look down the ladder, like last 12, 13 teams in the, the three-point rankings uh by three-pointers made a percentage. There are some teams that are getting by despite that. And the Lakers are 10th in, in defensive efficiency right now. So that's that's helping buffer that a little. But you, you just especially on a LeBron centric team, shooting, LeBron plus shooting. And they have screwed this up so many times over the just during the LeBron era period in LA, um, that you just wonder if if they've ever paid attention to historic lebron success and again if they were a little healthier maybe that's not doesn't look as ghastly but that's a lot of it and you're just you know look well
0: don't you don't you worry that they had healthy lebron and healthy ad seasons so far and they're still 500 because that, that was like, the variable that i did not think was going to 100% be there
1: a- alarming beyond belief if you had told either of us or Laker fans or anybody before the season, LeBron and, and AD are going to play all but a handful of games over the first couple of months. And you've got this this new fortified support, supporting cast. You, you would have thought, okay, great. They're going to be top three in the conference. Um, you're going to be holding your breath because you know at some point one or both of them is going to go down for a stretch. But with them both healthy this much, yes, they they, they should be Top four, top five in the West. They should be minimum top fifteen offense, not bottom third, not bottom six, seven. Yeah, uh, that that's alarming. I don't even know how that's possible, Bill,
0: So, Justin Termini pointed this out to me. He said Ryan McDonough and him were talking about this on a show last week, and he, you know, he was saying for LeBron, who we all agree is one of the best players ever, it's really weird the performance of these Lakers offenses that he's been on. like So I went back and I looked it up. So thanks to Justin for the hat tip. In Miami, an offensive rating, those four years, he was 6th, 6th, 1st, and 3rd, those four Heat teams. Goes to Cleveland, they're 4th, 3rd, 3rd, and 5th. So for me, I'm thinking, you know, this is like Tom Brady. It didn't even matter who was on Tom Brady's team. They're going to be in the top three or four in offense year after year after year. You can put any receivers, whoever... He was always going to get there. They're always going to be efficient. But what's weird is he goes to the Lakers. That first year, which was kind of a throwaway year, even though if you look back, that team had a lot of talent. They're 24th in offensive rating. In 2020, the title year, they're 11th. And then in 21, they're 24th. They're 24th in offensive rating. 20, in 22, they're 22nd. Last year, they were 19th. And this year, they're 24th. So there's two. there's two things I'm wondering. One is can you blame the wrong teammates six years in a row? Like, is are they just fundamentally putting the wrong guys around him? And then the other thing would be, maybe this version of LeBron's really from 2019 on, even though the stats are similar, maybe he's just not the same. And maybe some of the things that he needs to keep succeeding as a player, it's certain types of teams, it's a certain pace. Maybe he doesn't want to give up the steering wheel as much. Because I've liked some of the teammates that he's had. And I don't really know the answer. I'm just, I'm spitballing on it because this is year six yeah. of them being unsuccessful offensively.
1: Well, I, so he's, he's 39, so he shouldn't be the same, right? Well, so, so And that's
0: the age. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The age thing too.
1: But on top of that, let's, let's think about uh, the four key years followed by the four Cavaliers uh, seasons. In both cases, he's got an elite uh, co-star Who's elite at scoring and playmaking, right? And you had to figure out, like LeBron and Dwayne Wade had to figure out the right balance there. But they're both in their prime as elite scorer slash playmakers. And then he he leaves Miami when Wade starts to break down. He goes back to to Cleveland, and he's got Kyrie. Who, but for he doesn't all-
0: have he doesn't have Kyrie for the last year though, and they're still True. fifth. So that's True. the Jr. Jr. Smith, Love, Tristan Thompson. Now the league's weaker, yeah. but
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, so it, it, I mean, fair, but I think seven of those eight years, he's got somebody else who can at least carry some of the load, some of the playmaking, some of the scoring. And in this case, the only true star he's had next to him, and I'm going to put an asterisk on, on Westbrook. Westbrook is a, a, an all-time great, all that stuff, former MVP, blah, blah, blah. Bad fit, bad timing, wrong age, all that stuff. It's really just been LeBron and Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis is not a creator, right? It's not the Dwayne yeah. Wade, Kyrie Irving model. And, you know, fine, like it's hard to find that guy. And besides that, like Anthony Davis brings all kinds of other really important elements that helped them win a championship and that have helped keep them uh, relevant for the last couple of years. But it's not the same. And I would say that the deeper you get into your career as LeBron James, as anybody who has played that kind of role, and even as much as he's defied gravity, defied physics, defied age, defied everything, the the older you get, the more you kind of need the Dwayne Wade or the Kyrie Irving or somebody. And he's had, you know, what? They tried to like, they the first year, remember, was, was it Magic who said when he was still working with and It was Magic who said, like, oh, you got to surround it with playmakers. And so they got Rondo and a bunch of other ball handlers, and it was a really bad fit, and they didn't have enough shooting. Um, yeah. but now they just they just don't have playmaking. You've got, you know, D'Angelo Russell and all of his warts. You've got Austin Reeves, who's has got his, his uh, you know, his, his his assets, his, his own qualities and skills, but it's just not the same level by any stretch of having a Dwayne Wade or a Kyrie Irving. And it's more important to have that guy now than it was five or 10 years ago when LeBron was younger and sprier.
0: But, he, but I don't here's know the how problem. You find so I agree with you. Here's the problem. You have like your two giant salary spots, right? So this team yeah. has made a decision. Our two giant salary guys are going to be LeBron and Anthony Davis. They're making, I think, 100 million or close to combined. And at that point, really tough to find that 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 third giant guy. But they've had, like, if you go through the rosters, they've had all kinds of players on these teams. You know, like, 2020, they had the most success, but LeBron was awesome in 2020. Like, that was probably his best Laker stretch uh, as a two-way guy that he's had in his career. But, you know, they had, it was like, oh, they need more roll guys. Like, we need more glue guys. Well, they had Caruso right? They, they got rid of him. They had Josh Hart, who's turned into a really good glue guy. They got rid of him. Um, I think Reeves is somebody that I, when I see him, he can create offense a little through him, but it's not like he's a disaster. Russell's somebody who scored 20 points a game. Russell Westbrook, who they had before him, has really found a niche on this Clippers team as an 18 minutes a game guy that he couldn't find with the Lakers. So it, it's weird. I don't, I don't really know who the right people to put around AD and LeBron together are at this point. Cause you would think like, oh, it should be like a Mike Conley type. Maybe, maybe just like a distributor who just hits open threes and just does, stays out of the way. Well, they could have had Mike Conley last year. They chose to get Russell instead. Yeah, so if you go through the league, mis- that was a it's mistake, like, I think. Yeah, I think it was definitely a mistake. If you go through the league, though, uh, I think there's been two issues. One is they've just, they brought in too many guys, they've failed my too many guys theory. Right, it, it's like Christian Woods like, why aren't I playing? Jackson Hayes is like, man, I'd love to play. Cam Reddish is like, man, I should be playing more. And you just go through, and they just have seems like they have too many of those that just wish they were playing more. And then the other piece is, I I do think Darvin Ham's done a bad job. Like I, I think mixing the rotations and not figuring out how to stagger Reeves and LeBron so you always have a creator, not figuring out the Russell piece of this with the lineups and playing big in 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 situations like they try to play big against the Celtics at one stretch they're trying to get back and they played Rui and LeBron and AD together and it's like this is suicide the Celtics yeah. are too fast and too lengthy and too they're just going to crush this um so on the one hand i don't i think the roster is weird on the other hand it just feels like he's just grabbing for straws right
1: but you know when that happens bill and you and i have seen this a million times in this league that happens, it's not so much that you've got too many guys, it's that you've got too many guys who are all about the same, right? Some guys who are really great offensive players, but yep. weak defensively, or a defensive specialist who can't shoot, and so you don't really know what the right fit is. Everybody gives you, makes some, uh, or forces you into some sort of bad trade-off, and by the way, quick aside, just as a former beat writer, uh, you know, who covered teams a long time, Lakers for seven years, Knicks for, for nine, um, you always know, especially on teams like this, where you don't have that clear pecking order and guys who absolutely have a stranglehold on their rotation spot, you can always find a couple of guys in the locker room who are going to be pissed at the coach because they think they should be playing. They should be ahead of the guy who's right. just ahead of them in the pecking couple order. A couple whisper
0: guys. Yeah. Hey, hey, Howard, I, th- I'm, this is off the record, but God damn it, why aren't I playing more? And then I was like, uh-oh, Yeah. add so this mo- guy to the list.
1: Yeah. Yeah, somewhere somewhere in that ninth through 15th range on the roster, uh, there's there's going to be some guys who are pissed at the coach because they're not playing enough and they all think they should be playing more. Sometimes they're right. But I was looking at this particular group, and part of the problem is outside of LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Austin Reeves, how many of these guys are starters on contending teams? Not starters overall. Like all these guys, they're decent players. I mean, they're good players, but like, you know, Cam Reddish washed out with how many teams? Um yeah. is Jared Vanderbilt a starter on a on a high level contender? He's been a no?
0: big disappointment, I think, for them this year, right? Yeah. They were, I think they were expecting him to be a real guy.
1: Is Torin Prince a, a, a starter on a on a serious contender? Maybe. I mean, as your fifth guy, uh, D'Angelo Russell, like yes, D'Lo's got skills. So and he he's had some years where he was flirting with stardom and all this. Um I don't know if D'Angelo Russell is the guy you want starting on a contending team. So like there's just a lot of there are a lot of guys, yes. But how many of them do
0: you like? Yeah, if you go through the best teams in the league, is Cam Reddish playing for the Celtics? Is he playing over no. like Sam Hauser? No. Is he playing for Minnesota? Like probably not. Torian no, Prince not- I do think could be like a 10th man for somebody. I don't I don't see a world where Russell is a contributor on a really good team. Just I think he's too hard to play with. And he's. it feels like he's a guy who needs to play like 35 minutes a game. I don't think he's like a stop and start guy.
1: If your other seven rotation guys were really great, solid two-way players and D'Angelo Russell was your sixth man, your energy guy off the bench, or your change of pace guy, or we just need some offense when our when our starting uh point guard is out, what then maybe. But D'Angelo Russell's the one guy I think fits that. Everybody else, they're there's kind of specialists or a little too one-dimensional. Um, and no, I don't think most of them are starters on on true contenders, which kind of indicts the idea that you and I, I think both had that the Lakers were a plausible contender, like. Uh, but but maybe. but
0: both of us still like if if you're stripping it down and Gabe Vincent's back, and the foundation is LeBron and AD and Reeves and Gabe Vincent, and some interchangeable swings, and one guy at the trade deadline, like I still, I still believe in the IQ of the team. Like I saw it when I went to the IST. Yeah, you know, like like they're still they know what gear to go to at least lebron and ad do and i think reeves does so they they have some pedigree and i hachimura can come in and give them some size but it, on the other hand it's so clear that they need to make one or two trades wait i got to do a quick aside with you so were you covering the 04 lakers
1: uh that was my last season out there was 0304 yeah
0: so that's like a famous wheels coming off everybody unhappy team i i mean maybe the unhappiest team that's ever actually made the finals, and it had that famous <laughs> that what was it? What was the moment when uh, Rick Fox and a couple guys pulled Phil Jackson into the shower
1: into the to convince showers, him to change Detroit. the lineup? Just tell the story. Um. So, yes, a famously unhappy team with with you know four future Hall of Famers on it, right? Kobe and Shaq plus Karl Malone and Gary Payton, who had both signed on to ring chase, uh, in in the summer of 03. They do make the finals, right? It's funny. That that team gets, I think, unfairly tarred at times. Like, guys, they they made the finals. I know they got smoked by the Pistons, and it was an incredible uh like like a- among the biggest shockers we've had in the finals, that Pistons team knocking out the Lakers. But yeah, the Lakers were incredibly unhappy. A lot of that was just the same old thing. It was Shaq and Kobe. Gary Payton wasn't happy playing the triangle, so he and Phil Jackson were at odds. Carl Malone was hurt. Carl Malone had been like right. the Lakers, I think, went like twenty. Three and three, or something out of the gate that year. Karl Malone, who had never missed games his entire career in Utah, uh, I think it was Scott Williams, falls into him in Phoenix. It's a freak accident, messes up Malone's knee. He's never and the same.
0: He's playing, he was hurt his... or not playing the rest of the year.
1: And he was the one holding that team together, Bill. He was the one, like Kobe and Shaq, as much as they, and, and, you know, Kobe's facing his sexual assault charges that season, too. So he's, that's the year he's flying back and forth to Colorado for hearings. Um, he and Shaq are, absolutely positively done with each other. Kobe's un, uh, you know, unloaded on Shaq finally through Jim Gray with the statement about Shaq delaying his toe surgery and his bad work habits and all this stuff. Yep. Karl Malone was the one who could keep that team in balance. And so when he went down with this, this kind of like I say, freak accident early in the season, and I think it was December, they're never the same. He comes back toward the end, and then I think he he aggravates the knee or something. So the next thing you know, you've got Slava Medvedenko's guarding Rasheed Wallace in the finals. Like it was just Rick Fox was older. Horace Grant was like they they had like dusted him off. He was like I think semi-retired at that point. Yeah, they just they were old around all the edges. Like all the role players had gotten creaky. Shaq and Kobe wanted nothing to do with each other. Gary Payton was mad about the triangle, and and that was it. Robert Ory was gone. They had kind of sacrificed him when they brought in Karl Malone. Um, so it was a lot of things, and yeah, the the, the shower uh, that you're talking about was, I think I can't remember what the, what the lineup had been, but basically with their you know this series and the championship on the brink, that old core of like Fox uh, Fisher, Derek Derek Fisher, Horace Grant, trying to think of who else was in that that group, maybe maybe Brian Shaw, but they went to Fields and, and basically said I think it was maybe a shoot around like give our original group the chance to like. Save this thing. Right. Let's uh, go down with the original yeah. crew. And, and by that, the way, they went down same. anyway. <laughs> and they went down anyway. It was yeah, it So was, I
0: would say was that, was, that was probably the unhappiest, like at least finals level team that we've had in the last twenty years. We're, yeah. We're, it's kind of amazing they made the finals with uh with all the dysfunction. But you know, I will say this about um these LeBron situation. And now he's been in the league so long. We've seen so many situations, but From the get go, from the summer on, when they do the D'Angelo Russell contract, and he's making seven million a year more than he should, and it's clearly positioned as we're going to trade this guy, this is a seventeen million dollar figure. Yeah. Oh boy, is he tradable? And then it's like, here's Rui Hachimura. Nobody else is offer is offering him more than ten, probably. We're going to give him three for seventeen, and just immediately there's this whiff of a trade with this team. And we're all talking like, well, if things go wrong and Kyrie and Dallas, like uh, who knows, like Zach, the moment Zach Levine becomes available, oh my God, the Lakers maybe. And I do think, I don't know if this is productive for a team that's trying to win the title, but it always seems to be a theme with LeBron teams in December and January. Who are they going to get? Who's, who, who could be going out? And you look at something like, we're not having those conversations about Denver. We're not having those conversations about Boston. You know, the teams that are succeeding, they're all kind of locked in together. It's like, this is our team. If we add, we're going to be adding around the fringes. And I don't know if that's a good way to have a basketball season with the way people like us work, where we're, it's like podcasts, like tweets and, um, you know, whatever little stories. It's just when you leave meat on the bone for the way this basketball media culture is now, I, I think people eat the meat.
1: True. And also, as you and I both know, LeBron has a little bit of that passive aggressive gene where, you know, he's gonna like he he blew off the media last night. I'm not citing that as any major crime. Like LeBron has been really great and really yeah, accountable. He's one of the been,
0: great media guys ever.
1: He's he's been very available through his career. Like everybody deserves a night off now and then, you know, Shaq and Kobe blew us off, you know, any number of times. Shaq in particular. Um, so I don't I don't I don't fault him for that, but it does feel meaningful when he does it. It's because he's always available that LeBron deciding to leave while they were talking to Anthony Davis last night tells you something.
0: Especially after, after he had a bad game and the team looked yeah. bad and Miami kind of just outwitted them with the zone. Like, we're going to play a zone. You're not going to break it.
1: This is the time of year, Bill, when if LeBron is, is not feeling it, he does start sending messages either directly or indirectly, right? There was a year in Cleveland where he said some offhand remark about we're top heavy as hell right now. Um, and they yeah. were, he wasn't wrong. And they, and they made a deal that I can't remember which year it was or which deal they made, but that triggered some, I think some ripples in the front office. Um, there what was the, was the last
0: that-, ca- that last Cavs year when he wanted them to trade what ended up being the Colin Sexton pick.
1: Yeah. And they basically they scared him
0: down and he was pissed.
1: They should have. I- I'm just saying like the, the Cavs held on to that pick bill, because that was the golden ticket pick. That was a, that was a Nets pick, right? Yeah. That was what, one of the picks out of the original, uh, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett deal. So they were counting on the idea that that was a gold ticket. And then Kenny Atkinson got, that was one of those Kenny Atkinson overachiever, Spencer yeah. Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, you know, years. And it ruined the pick. Instead of it being like top two, three, it ended up being eight and it became yeah. Colin Sexton. But months earlier when it was a potential trade ship, they were holding on to it like it was their ticket to the post-LeBron future because they were afraid he was going to leave and he did. Um, but I, you know, I don't know what they could have gotten for, for that pick at the time, but I, it's why I've always believed and I believe this with this LeBron team, this cap, this Laker team, this Warriors team, this whoever. When you have a player like that, screw the future, trade whatever you've got, figure that stuff out later because you only have X number of years to contend with these guys. And I mean that's, that's OKC okay.
0: right now. Like, what are you going to do with your 17 first round picks? You have a chance to win the title potentially,
1: but they're also super young. Like, I'm I I, I worry about. A, a team with LeBron or Steph or some other guys because you're on the clock when they're in their True. 30s. True. The Thunder, you know, and I know I've, I've heard you talk about this, like, and you're right. Like, you don't know what the window actually is or if you even have a window. When they made the, the finals with Durant, Westbrook Harden, you thought, well, they're going to be in this thing for the next decade, and they weren't. Shit happens, especially in today's NBA where stars leave all the time, luxury tax, second apron, all this stuff. Injuries. Yeah, but um, but it's 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 the teams with the older Superstars that I that I worry about and where I think you have to say, screw the future. Like if if there's a move to be made and it costs you some of your future, make it because the time is now, period.
0: It really does seem like a guy like Kyrie would be the best person for them to add. And Dallas, yeah. you know, they're kind of they could go either way at this point with the team they have. They're a few games over 500. They've also got an awesome and completely healthy Lucas season. Kyrie has not been healthy. So my guess would be there's no chance they would entertain it. But, you know, that's that's a guy to monitor. We, we have, I have a, a big trade thing to throw at you, but we got to take a quick break. Hey, it's the last week of the NFL season. There is still time to get in on a ton of the action with FanDuel America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet that is 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. We have a lot of million dollar picks coming up at the very end of this podcast, including an 11 to one parlay on the Bears game that I am very excited to share with you. The app on FanDuel, so easy to use. There's so many different ways to bet. There's same same game parlays, you can do those. You can find bets in the Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. You know what else you can do? You can visit FanDuel.com slash BS and you can make your first bet a layup. Take the Bears. Fandle, official partner of the NFL, must be 21 plus and present at select states. $5 pre-game money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because... I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra. Not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game. Right now, than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at mclobaltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. All right, so we were talking about LeBron and the Lakers and there's two other variables going on. One is that the league is the strongest it's ever been. Right, This team that LeBron has right now, if you put it in 2015, would be a way better team to have than it is in 2024 when everybody's everybody has a good team. You have teams that, you know, like, Brooklyn's probably the eighth worst team in the league, and they have some talent. If you catch them on the right night, you're like, oh, that team's not bad. Um, a team like the Hawks, who's a bottom 10 team in the league, and I think they're like five games under 500, you catch them on the right night, they, they beat OKC last night. You're like, oh, that team's pretty good. Um, so it's just a little different environment for them. And I guess my big question, well, there's two. One is, if you have LeBron, you have Anthony Davis, and those are your two best guys, and let's say Reeves too, what's the ideal fourth banana? Let's call Reeves, we'll give him third banana credit. What's the ideal fourth banana? Because it's not a D'Angelo Russell type. We've seen that not totally work. It's not a Russell Westbrook type. Maybe it's a Gabe Vincent type, I don't know. We haven't seen enough of Gabe Vincent this year, but. It's somebody in that guard spot who's a creator scorer, but who is it?
1: That's tough. And it's got it. The thing is, like that's that's what you wanted D'Angelo Russell to be, right? Right. So
0: if he's not and, that, then who is it?
1: Would you, you? But you need the the better version of that, right? Like, is that Zach Levine? Uh, is it Kyrie? Um, because that's the thing. It can't be. It can't be anybody else at D'Angelo Russell's level. It, and it can't be just a shooter. It can't be just a playmaker like they they just need uh, more pop than that next to LeBron and during the minutes when LeBron is resting. So it,
0: it's probably Zach Levine and this is like I've been really hesitant to put my brain there and I'm not a huge fan of his and his contract's awful and I don't think there's a big market for him but you look at the fact that they're 24th in offensive rating and it's like alright here's a guy that can come in and create offense and every once in a while have 35 points in a game that's another thing they're missing Nobody on this team goes off. No. Right? They don't have the random, oh my God, that guy at 37. They don't even have like a Jordan Clarkson or, you know, we, we could name 20 guys in the league who any given night could just go off. They don't really have that variable at all. A Cam Thomas? A Cam Thomas. <laughs> a, a freaking Bones Highland. Yeah. They, they, yeah. Bones Highland doesn't even play, but they don't even have one of those guys. Yeah. So I do wonder if Levine, I know he's a clutch guy, they can get him for cheap. Um, I don't know why the Bulls want Russell back, especially if they're playing pretty well right now. I don't know what you do with him. And I think Hachimura probably has to be in it. So you're losing some size, but it, that trade's making more and more sense to me, unfortunately.
1: I have not I have not played with the trade machine on Zach Levine to the Lakers, but that $40 million is just so difficult to get to and the number of salaries you have to aggregate. So that's part of it. I do think that, you know, all right. Zach Levine, uh, he's, he's now viewed as kind of like an empty numbers guy, or at least big numbers doesn't necessarily contribute enough to winning, blah, blah, blah. The, the Lakers are a top 10 defensive team in defensive efficiency. Like, are, is it, does a team like the Lakers, can they incorporate a Zach Levine and get all the best out of him and have enough structure behind him? LeBron and AD lead that team. So he's now only the third most important guy. He doesn't have to be number one. And you figure
0: buying low on somebody that comes in with LeBron. And now it's like, I'm going to kill myself trying to impress you, LeBron. You're one of the best players ever.
1: And and nobody says Zach Levine's bad guy. People like Zach Levine. Like, good, good guy, good, good in the locker room. Um, Like, I, and we see this effect all the time with superstars and especially guys around LeBron. Like, you'll, you'll get the best version of that guy. JR Smith would have never had, like, I know there's, there's like the, the best and worst we saw of of, of J.R. Smith in some of those finals with LeBron. But like we never see the best version of J.R. Smith if he's not next to LeBron. And and Zach Levine's uh, I think a much more talented player than than J.R. Smith. Uh, but I I I wouldn't mind that. I don't think it's that big of a risk. It's just very hard to get to in terms of salary. But I think it's the, I think he's the right idea. I don't well, know if he's the, the exact risk right player to be threatened to.
0: The risk is LeBron leaves after the season and just hops out. And now you're stuck with Zach Levine and Anthony Davis. And that's that's the short
1: term. That's the short term thinking that I think like you can't or the the medium term thinking that you can't afford when you have LeBron. It's I don't care what fine. So I'm stuck with Zach Levine. I'll deal with that later. In the meantime, if I could go increase my uh, chances of of, of getting to the finals by five or 10 percent or something, whatever it is. I'll, I'll go get him. I'll deal with that later. You can always do a salary so, dump.
0: I guess that's the second piece of the first question is, I agree with you fundamentally if this is 2018 LeBron or 2014 LeBron. You're like, well, what do I care? I we, I have a chance to make the finals every year with LeBron. I got to do it. This version of LeBron, 39-year-old LeBron, who's not on the top level of players anymore, and he's just not. He's He's not consistent enough. He's not a two way guy the way he used to be, and he's thirty nine years old. Like he shouldn't be. This would be insane. Everybody gets old, um, but he's not on the Embiid, uh, the Luca, the Giannis, Jokic. He's just not consistent like those guys in the same way. And he's not he's not a one man wrecking crew like he used to be. But he's still really good. Yeah. So, let's say you get Zach Levine. What does that ultimately change? Are you going to beat the Celtics now? Are you going to beat Denver?
1: Well, that was the argument people were making last season when it was, all right, well, you trade Westbrook for, remember, the the infamous Miles Turner-Buddy Heel deal. Is that going right. to, you know, are we beating Milwaukee with that? Or are we beating whoever with that? And um, But trading Westbrook for any assemblage of players was still the right move, and it did revive their season. It wasn't obviously that deal. It was a different deal it did revive their season. It did make them relevant and competitive. And made the conference finals. And they made the conference finals. So like, I think we make a mistake when we think it's it's completely all or nothing. And to an extent, yes, it is. right. Every LeBron season at this stage and for the last few years is all or nothing. It, 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 there's only championships. There is nothing else. There is no other goal. And with the Lakers, there's no other goal anyway. But this idea where if it doesn't guarantee you the ability to get past Denver, if it doesn't guarantee the ability to beat Boston or Milwaukee, does it guarantee ability-
0: you the ability to be one of the six best teams? That's an even scarier proposition than do I make the finals with this trade.
1: Nothing is guaranteeing of anything. What I do know is that staying standing pat is guaranteeing that you're you might be a play in team, or at least a, a a lower part of the playoff bracket where you're probably getting knocked out in the in the first round. I mean, I know they made this this incredible run last year from the play in, but I don't. That's not a that's not a repeatable formula for the Lakers for Miami for anybody. Like, I don't that that was a a fluky kind of thing. I wouldn't count on that again.
0: And I think this is why Levine probably is going to be the guy, you know, from 19 to 23, which is five years, not counting this year. He's 25 a game, 48%, 39% from three. He's a good free throw shooter, almost six free throw attempts a game over a five-year thing. Like it's kind of exactly what they need. What they need is is more offense and the ability that then when LeBron has a good game, now it's like, holy shit, how do we, plus how could Levine thrive with two other guys? So listen, I don't think it guarantees them anything, but I do think as we try to figure out, well, what team would Levine go to? Who wants him? Who wants that contract? You're the Lakers, like figure it out. He's 28 years old, 40 million a year. You're going to be in the tax every year, every way. But this leads to my second question, which is a more dramatic question. And which is admittedly, um, really just for for dialogue, for social, just for as a thought experiment, as a thought bubble. What if they went the other way and 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 worked with LeBron and and actually traded him, and just said, you know what, we don't have it, we're not good enough. You only have four rings. We know you want more. You're a, you have a player option for next year. You could go somewhere for four months on a really good team, and and try to, uh, try to actually win your fifth title. It's not going to happen here. We're not good enough. I don't think they're at that point yet, but they might be in a month. What if they're four games under 500 with no signs of life and can't add anybody, and he's like, Jesus, I thought I was going to get to watch my son at USC and be on a top five team, and we're a playing team with no real chance. Is that even conceivable to you?
1: Man. It's it's hard to wrap my head around Bill. The moment that LeBron chose the Lakers, however many years ago that was, was that eighteen? Um, eighteen, summer I, eighteen. Yeah, I I thought, all right, that's it. Like that, there's the last chapter, right? He goes there. Uh, he he, you know, tries to build on the Laker legacy and his own legacy. He his family loves L.A. They've already got a home there. His media companies there, all that stuff. All these different ways in which it's the perfect place to finish out his career. And I've never thought. He was going to have another move in him, but listen. I mean, you were just talking about he's he's no longer at that level of Jokic Embiid, uh, Tatum, Luca, whoever. Like, he, okay, he's not a perennial MVP candidate, but but he's I think still in one of the ro- best
0: twelve guys in the league.
1: Yes, he's in our rankings in the top ten or twelve, right, in, in the Ringer's rankings, and he's legitimately there. But he needs more help than he need needed before. Um, he could still do some damage, and so you don't want to waste that. He he's definitely not going to want to waste that, and I'm sure that the way he has played this season probably encourages him to think, "Shit, I, I'm 40, 41, 42. I could I can keep going." Um, and maybe it's maybe LA isn't the practical uh, solution there anymore. So I, my rule of thumb on this is 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 simple: if LeBron comes to you and says it's time, cool, it's time. If LeBron doesn't. I just don't see how you trade it. Like you're not just trading LeBron. Like you're not just like calling him one day and say, B- uh, pack your bags. We just sent you to Memphis." Like it it doesn't work that way. Oh, hey,
0: that'd be amazing if the
1: Lakers <laughs> were like
0: bombshell. <laughs> LeBron's been traded. What? Could you imagine? I um, have th- I have three trades for you, and maybe right, this will make you think differently.
1: I, I have a few that I've come up with, but I I don't like any of them. But go ahead.
0: Well, I was trying to think. It would have to be a team that could say to itself we're adding LeBron, we could win the title. Yes. So team number one is obviously Philadelphia, who has a million expirings. Yes. It could go a bunch of ways. They could trade. It could be a dump trade for the Lakers where they just get expirings back and whatever picks they have left. They could get Tobias Harris and Marcus Morris back and throw somebody Philly's way and get two picks. But um, I, I did... I did play that one out in my head a little bit. Like, okay, now we have added LeBron to Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey with a bunch of wings who can defend with Melton, with Paul Reed coming off the bench, with Nick Nurse, and LeBron comes in as this Swiss Army Knife offensive hybrid. I was like, I kind of like this idea. And then LeBron smartly realizing, hey, Joel Embiid's really good. Those guys are scoring 60 points a game. I'm just here to facilitate and be a veteran and and just do my thing. I Nobody fits in. I mean, I would say LeBron's one of the four best. I can fit in, be a Swiss Army Knife guy that we've had. He's older now, but that one was and, interesting. And, and Daryl has, yeah, has chased him. Daryl has chased him like him.
1: 17 times when he was in Also, Houston. as
0: a Celtics fan, I'd be like, holy fucking shit, they just got LeBron James? Oh, no. That
1: would scare you a little, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. It would scare me a lot. I like Tobias Harris, but if you could turn him into Tobias Harris and an expiring and a pick, I, that would frighten me.
1: I, I had a list of three teams that I thought were like intriguing but unlikely, just because I don't. I wasn't sure if there was enough coming back. And I know you're trading a 39 year old LeBron, so you can't expect On you're an not expiring. Getting, I hate to say it, you're not getting a Rudy Gobert payout, right? <laughs> LeBron. That's a really weird fucking sentence to say. Um, <laughs> And with so with Philly, there's like there's no young stud you're getting back. Their picks aren't great. They've got like there's a OKC Houston Clippers pick that they own. It's one of the three in 2026. Yeah. And then a 2028 Clipper pick. Tobias Harris and maybe Milton. It's probably not know. enough. It's it's, so it's, it's probably, probably not enough. It's probably not enough. I, I thought about Milwaukee as an obvious, like, yes, you want to send him to a contender, but like Milwaukee's got nothing. I mean, yeah, I'm, Middleton
0: has to be in it and they have no other picks. They got Middleton, to Connaughton, Beauchamp, yeah, Beasley. Nothing. They got
1: no picks like ugh, it, it just happening. doesn't work. Um, the other one I had in the unlikely category in uh, in the East was the Knicks because um, they've got all those picks. But a lot of those picks are really heavily protected. They're going to be be late first or they're going to turn to seconds. And it's like it would be like, I don't know, Fournier, Hart, Hart, back to L.A., uh, Dante DiVincenzo. You don't plus think Randall picks, has but, to be in that? Randall probably has to be in it, but if you're the Lakers, are you pairing Randall and Anthony Davis or is this the first step toward just a complete teardown and Randall is going to be, are you rerouting him? Are you eventually trading Anthony Davis too? Like, I don't, uh, Randall-Anthony Davis, Austin Reeves' team isn't doing anything. You didn't
0: mention the least improbable part of that trade, which would be LeBron and Rich Paul reuniting with Leon Rose and World Broad West. I'm going to say that's (laughs) not happening.
1: I'm going to go on the record (laughs) as that will not happen. It's a minor. It's a minor snag. Though. Yeah,
0: that that is. Uh, that, what was your third team?
1: <laughs> oh, that was, So that was. Those were the, the three in the unlikely category. And then I have. I have two. Wait, who was two... the
0: third one? It was Knicks and Philly and the Sixers. The Sixers, oh, who you'd already mentioned and okay. Milwaukee. Yeah, Gotcha. Okay.
1: I had a li- a, t- a list of two maybes that I. thought Oh, were I wonder intriguing.
0: if they're the same maybes that I had. Let's hear them.
1: All right. Uh, first one's Miami. Oh, that was my first one. Uh, the math is tough. The math is tough. I played Not with the that trade tough. machine.
0: It's not that um, tough.
1: Hero, Hawkes, Caleb Martin, salary filler, and picks. And the, the Heat don't have a lot of picks available, I don't think. But they have got they do have picks available plus swaps. Like, And again, I don't know how... It, it's hard to set the price for a 39-year-old LeBron James, right? Can I but, tell
0: you something, Howard Beck? I don't think Miami would trade Hawkes for LeBron for anyone who's not like a top 20 guy. I think they're like completely Please. all LeBron's in, top 20. 100%. Well, I'm saying like a like not yeah. like a rental. Yeah. I just don't think they would trade Hawkes. I think they would have to get like a major guy yeah. who's gonna be their long term back. I had a similar one. I had LeBron and Gabe Vincent, ironically going back to Miami for Lowry and Robinson, maybe throwing that Jovich and a future first. So it's a little bit of a salary dump for the Lakers, even though Robinson's got a pick back uh, or got an extra year and they get a pick out of it and kind of do right by LeBron. And then there's the symmetry of LeBron going back to Miami 10 years later. That's kind of fun. They could dust like out it. the old LeBron- Miami Six jerseys. I was kind of into that one because if they could keep Haquez and keep Caleb Martin yeah. and keep Butler and keep Bam and keep Tyler Hero and then add LeBron to all of that, that becomes, I think, a possible favorite in the East.
1: There's, I think, there's a deal somewhere between mine and yours. Like, I'm I'm probably overpaying from Miami's side, and you might be underpaying from Miami's side for the Possibly. Lakers' purposes. Yeah, maybe right.
0: Hero's in that. Maybe it's Hero and Robinson. Yeah. but
1: I think I think like I hear at least one um, player that you're actually excited about. If you're the Lakers, has to be in there somebody who's young and decent. So like, I think I feel like Hero has to be in there. But so maybe it has to be Hawkins maybe
0: Hero, out. Hero and Lowry for LeBron and Gabe Vincent. And then there's my a Miami pick. Yeah, sure. it's it's interesting. It would it would be the the Holy shit, basketball trade. We've had like how many holy shit basketball trades? LeBron going back to Miami was not on the big old board.
1: I, I, it's the thing is, this doesn't, this does not feel implausible, does it?
0: This one is the first one that doesn't feel implausible. What's your other team? Let's see if we have the same team.
1: This one is like even more like if this were to happen, just like the, the, the Twitter would break, the universe would break, things would break. Uh Do LeBron it. to the Warriors? Yo, I, that was my other team. Uh again, I, I don't know if I'm overpaying from the Warriors side. Wiggins, Kuminga, Moody, Gary Payton the second, and whatever picks you, you could put in there if, if necessary. Uh LeBron and Steph together. LeBron finally gets to play with Chris Paul. Remember, LeBron, the banana boat crew. LeBron finally played with Carmelo. He had and played with Wade on. for the four years. Chris Paul is the one guy from his banana boat crew. That he's never actually been teammates with. So uh if Chris Paul's not in the deal, and I'm not putting him in the deal in my scenario, um, yeah. Uh
0: and and Draymond, who I think if if you could say what player could we bring into a warriors situation if they keep Draymond that might be able to get his head on track, LeBron would be the guy. Right? He he did he's very deferential to LeBron. I my version of that trade was Clay. Clay's expiring. There's no way you can trade Clay, but if you if you did trade him, trade him to his team that his dad played on, the Lakers, yeah. and you do that, Looney's in there as a big guy, and then uh, and then Kaminga I think is a legitimate piece that you know if if you're selling on the Lakers season and you could get Kaminga as the prize and maybe you resign Clay for less, there's there's something there. But if you're the Warriors and you can keep, because you you can't use Kaminga anyway if you have LeBron. Yeah. Um. and you can keep Brando Pods, you can keep Jackson Davis, you can keep all the guys you care about are actually helping this year, plus Curry, plus Chris Paul, plus Draymond. Now you have this older veteran team with a couple of young guys. That's not nothing. And he's always I, I, wanted to play there. Like he's, he yeah. the last couple of years, he's sent out some, you know, he's he went from feuding with, with, kind of quiet feuding with Steph Curry to jumping on the bandwagon about three, four years ago, which I thought was notable. And now it's like, you know, chef will be lighting it up, and he'll do a chef hat on Twitter. And I, it's not inconceivable to me.
1: It's 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 not it's not inconceivable at all. I think it would be the, the painful part for the Lakers would be having to send him right up, you know, the uh, up up the one hundred and one up to, to Northern California. Um, not a real rivalry, Lakers Warriors, but now pseudo. And and you probably want to send LeBron East, but it's also short term, right? Like short term ish. Again. I, I should not say that. I who knows when LeBron's finally going to retire or when he'll 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 need to. Um I think it would be tough for the Lakers but I I I think there's a lot of appeal there. The one piece I I would hold off on um, on yours is and this is I admit this. This is purely sentimental. This is where I let uh other things that are not basketball get in the way. I would rather see the Lakers or the Warriors hang on to Clay if they can. That's why I put Wiggins in there instead. Mm. Um I think, and especially that's once, fair.
0: I know, uh, and that trade still works. You could do Wiggins and Looney and Kaminga. You could you could make the contracts work at that point.
1: Yeah, it, it it could still work, and then you keep that core together, right? If you wanted Steph, Clay, and, and Draymond to go out together, and, and Steph with May LeBron, out last.
0: with Chris Paul, yeah. holy shit, that'd be really fun. Well, can yeah. I tell you what I think is actually going to happen? I
1: right, I do have one crazy one. Oh, go, way, let's hear it. Tell me what. you No, want to you go hit the first because we right. got to
0: wrap up soon. So tell me what. Right. tell me what you have.
1: What if we sent LeBron back to his other former team?
0: I thought about that, but they, you know, they are kind of hanging around.
1: LeBron for Donovich Mitchell and Karis Lavert works salary wise. Wow. (laughs) And then you have, I know they got to get healthy, but Garland, LeBron, Mobley, Jared Allen.
0: Uh, That's not bad. I thought about that, but I I think if he gets traded, it has to be like I can win a title, but I guess Cleveland's not any further well, away than Golden State is.
1: Is Le- LeBron with Garland, Mobley, Allen? I, I, I know, like Garland and Mobley still have some growing up to do, but I, I'm not saying that that team knocks out Boston and Milwaukee and Philly, yeah. but they're, I, I think they're no worse than fourth in the East at that point.
0: I tried to talk myself into a Bradley Beal, LeBron kind of thing with him going to Phoenix and the trade machine called me a fucking idiot and said, <laughs> get off the I trade had, machine. I, this has gone too few, far.
1: I had a few of those moments today. <laughs>
0: This is how it's probably gonna play out. They'll probably get rid of Darvin Ham. My biggest fear, this is where I, as you know, I'm an only child, I'm selfish. My biggest fear is they change coaches and all of a sudden Doc Rivers is the Lakers coach and then I lose Doc (laughs) Rivers, who's been really great on my podcast all season. (laughs) And all of a sudden I lose Doc and Darvin Ham will not be as good as Doc on the podcast. So uh, that's my scariest thing. The funniest thing would be if they hired Mark Jackson. And Mark Jackson was back in our lives as the new Lakers head coach doing hand down, man down, all that stuff. Um, but it doesn't feel great. I, I wouldn't feel awesome if I was Darvin Ham today because uh we've 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 seen coaches get fired midseason before on LeBron teams.
1: He was uh Fire Darwin Ham that phrase was trending on Twitter as of about like 12 12:30 Eastern time today. Yeah, it's, tough. And, um, it's
0: I mean he's done a bad job this year. It's no question. He's it's the rotations have been too weird.
1: I I'm always somewhere in the middle on these things, Bill, not always, I'm often, and this is one of the situations where I am where it's easy to look at the rotations and the lineups and the the volatility and all the changes and say he's pushing the wrong buttons and everything. But it kind of goes back to the premise that we started with earlier, which is when you have a bunch of guys in your four through 10 range, four through 15 range in the rotation or on the roster, who all have limitations, obvious limitations, one way, one dimensional, whatever. It's hard to find that. And so it may well be that Darvin Ham has not pushed the right buttons. It may also well be the fact that Rob Polink has not given him the right tools to work with to make that a little bit uh more obvious um you you start hunting and pecking when nothing's working well this this didn't work. I tried it for a few games. Shit, what do I do now all right I you know D'Angelo Russell to the bench let's he's he's reaching and he may take the fall for it, but I don't know that it's necessarily should be that much on him um but I don't know you know short of the, the Zach Levine deal or something, I don't know what if there's an obvious way forward. I mean, my other crazy notion today as I was kicking around all these thoughts was like, what if you traded Anthony Davis instead? Like there, you know, I I'd like I know that one's crazy, but Anthony Davis could get you back, Not I would that think, crazy. quite
0: a bit. Right. The problem like, is you're getting it's a three for one and now you have even more players so you have to figure out what that'll do with. Yeah. It's probably and, Zach Levine. Maybe Zach Levine's first, and then if it still doesn't work, then you think about the coach. But um, I don't know. This was a fun thought experiment. We never, we're wrapping up. We never got to other players. We thought it wasn't crazy that they would trade them. My just, what was your number one? I'll just give you my number one on the on the aborted segment.
1: Okay, um, it, it, number one would have been Anthony Davis, but that one was way out there. That's a really hard one. Uh, the next one after that, the non-Laker division would have been Trey Young.
0: Okay. So I had Lamella Ball one and Trey Young two, and then was trying to figure out, wait, maybe just flip them for each other. And, and <laughs> we get a double reset button and we start over. Um, yeah. No,
1: the, the phrase you sent me earlier for the listeners was basically the, why shouldn't we consider a trade of this guy? Like, And th- so these are the ones that we think are conventional wisdom off limits, right? Like, oh no, we're yeah. never trading Trey Young. So why not trade? The other one I thought about uh, was Mikhail Bridges, because I just think the nets mm. are kind of stuck. And I- he's not the one you're building around, right? Like he's a great number two or three, but he's not a number one and he's 27. So he's just starting his prime, but like how how long is it going to be before the Nets can cash in like all those Suns picks or whatever to get who, you know, like they're a fun Donovan Mitchell uh, team, but I don't think anybody thinks Donovan Mitchell's being traded until at least the summer if it happens. Um, But yeah, uh, Bridges and Trey Young were were, were two of the guys I had. My also thought about list included LaMelo.
0: Howard Beck, we can hear you on The Real Ones with Logan and Raj on Mondays on Ringer NBA. We can read it at the ringer.com and you pop up on all of our different podcasts. Great to see you as always.
1: You too, sir. Thank you.
0: This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, You want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time, the stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price up front. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax, knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Vrbo app. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a late beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college. I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at Michelob slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. All right, our guy Shio Capati is here. He helped us with million dollar picks a few weeks ago and we did really good. So we had to bring him back for a very, very funky week 18. You also are a huge Eagles fan. You host the Philly special football pods with uh, Ben Solak. And this Eagles season is basically the real life silver linings playbook. Just people people in tailgates wearing Eagles jerseys ready to start punching each other. Uh, It's gone so badly that I actually think they're going to lose to the Giants, but part of it is because Dallas is probably going to beat Washington and they'll go. But if they tried for all four quarters against the Giants and Tyrod Taylor, I do wonder if that's a slam dunk win for the, like, I just feel like anything's on the table for them week to week, right? You can't ever assume, don't put them in a tease, don't put them in parlay. They cannot be trusted.
2: Yeah, no, there's there's no doubt about it. So Solak is the big Eagles fan. Like I'm team content. So I'm like, don't right, true. if true yeah, if they win or lose. I'm like this, this is kind of a fun season this is crazy what's happening right now. But But you're right. I mean, when you play the Arizona Cardinals and you have seven possessions and they drive inside your 25 yard line on every single one and a lot of times like I'll watch the game live and then you know I'll watch the coaches film before we do a Philly special and it's like oh it wasn't that bad a few plays here and there no no, no. Th- this was like worse like they can't get lined up they can't do anything so it- it's such an interesting time for the franchise because like the next two weeks are going to shape the like a huge narrative like do they galvanize and come together and it's like Hertz is a great leader and Sirianni mm-hmm. a good coach. Or do they just completely tanked and all of a sudden we're talking about like a month from now, like, are there massive changes coming uh for this team in the offseason? So yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I would not feel confident that even if they were trying, they were gonna win this game.
0: So on your excellent podcast with Solak, you were flagging in the summer, there were there were real reasons to be concerned about the Eagles with Super Bowl hangover, um, the schedule, and the schedule was harder. But then both coordinators leaving and you were like, well. We know Steichen's good. Like uh, You guys were all in on him. And it's like, Gannon, now, you know, mixed reviews on him. And then you see what's happened their defense with the coaching since. They've already had a change. Now you have the pathetic Matt Patricia involved. And then Gannon has done a pretty good job heading down the stretch here with that weird Cardinals team. He brings in Kyler Murray midseason. They've reinvented themselves a little bit as, You know, a kind of a little bit of a ground and pound, unpredictable offensive team. They have, I mean, they're terrible in all the different defensive rankings, but they've been able to get stops in big spots. And I actually think their record could be a little better than it is. So do you think a lot of this is just those two coordinators were just better than everybody realized?
2: My personal opinion is that even if Gannon were coaching the Eagles, uh, the defensive coordinator this year, you would be seeing very similar results. And, and it goes to what you were saying like or earlier, like they were so healthy last year. I mean, they lost five starters in free agency and they played a cake schedule. I mean, the hard the best quarterback they beat last year was like Kirk Cousins or Daniel Jones. And this year it was Dak Mahomes. Yep. Josh, like it was just a lot harder. So I think offensively, they're feeling that that definitely uh, a little bit more defensively to me, it's more personnel based. And then it's like, I mean, you know this when you're when the big button you push in a time of adversity is let's give Matt Patricia more responsibility. I mean, when has that worked well? That's failed like, you know, three straight times. So that's sort of an indictment on like, what was their plan here? Like, why did they think that was going to fix anything? So um, offensively, I think it does. Certainly you can point to the coordinator thing defensively. uh, And Gannon has been better than I thought he'd be as a head coach. But as a defensive schemer, like the Cardinals have the worst defense in the NFL uh, in DVOA. So I I just don't think he would have made a huge difference with this specific group.
0: So one thing with the two things that I've noticed with the Eagles and tell me if I'm right or I'm exaggerating just from what I've watched a lot of them. Cause I had basically all of them on the fantasy team I cared the most about. Um, one is the pace and the unpredictability of the offense just has seemed to off all year. It's like this methodical, they just kind of move along. There's never seems to be any urgency They're the, They're, they're the opposite of frisky yes. and, it doesn't seem until they have to that all of a sudden they become the team you kind of want them to be. But otherwise, it just seems like... And I don't know whether they're doing that because they don't trust the defense and they just want to keep the ball for as long as possible. But there's a way more fun version of this team. And that yes. would be my first note is, why isn't this offense way more fun than it has been?
2: A hundred percent. I actually, I think you said it better. I've been trying to say it that way for a while. And I think you nailed it. Like When you look at the personnel... I mean, imagine if you handed like Mike McDaniel or Kyle Shanahan, this offensive personnel, we'd be talking about an offense. You'd be like, oh, my God, this offense is unstoppable. And statistically, they're not that bad, but. That's because like they are very talented and they're very healthy. They have all 11 starters healthy on offense, but they don't like a lot of the, you know, the easy buttons that the great offenses push right now, whether it's like the motion stuff that the Dolphins do where it's like, hey, under center play action, like these aren't the most novel ideas. But these are small things you can do to help your quarterback, to help your playmakers, like getting A.J. Brown the ball in space where he's like, you know, yards after the catch monster. Like they just haven't done that stuff consistently. Like when their offense is good, to your point, it's like, wow, A.J. Brown made an unbelievable play or Devontae Smith made a terrific catch. It's not like ooh, they schemed it up and look what they did to really help uh, Jalen Hurts. Like he's attempt, they're there, all these advanced stats and one of them shows he's attempting like a higher degree of difficulty in terms of his passes than almost any quarterback in the NFL. And it's like, how is that That's the weird. case when you, when you have this offensive line and Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard? So uh, I think you're right. It, it looks like a bore. It looks, it doesn't look fun. It doesn't look consistent. It's like At laborious. The end of, it's just, yeah, uh, it is, 100%. Oh my God, no I guess it.
0: we have to run another play. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you guys should be... Fun. They have like yeah. five of the most unstoppable plays in the league. Yeah. Like the Hurts QB draw, the the tush push, A.J. Brown down the sidelines for 30 yards. Devonte going over the middle, like he catches the ball in traffic, as good as anybody. They have a really good tight end. They have a nice little wheel route play. Like I like their yeah. plays. It would be fun to play video games with their offense, but it doesn't seem like they have fun with it. So, yeah. so we agree on that. The yes, hundred percent. The the other thing that just doesn't make sense to me, and this I I have no explanation for, because if I was a GM, if like if like I bought an NFL team and I hired you and Ben to be the co-GMs for me and we were trying to figure out like what's our philosophy for team building I would go for the lines I would just be like we just have to have a good offensive line good defensive line we can figure out everything else later but let's we're gonna be able to rush the ball stop the run and protect our QB and then we'll figure out the rest the Eagles have two of those three things like fundamentally they should just be able to drive the offensive line back they should be a nightmare to play but their defensive line isn't that good in these games. And that I, I can't wrap my head around that. Why? What's wrong?
2: That's been the biggest mystery of the season. Like you said, they have over-invested in this defensive line. Just like at every turn, they might have four starters. They're like, let's get a fifth guy. Let's get a sixth. Let's get like, and they're all healthy. Like none of these guys yeah. are out for the season, which is the other thing. I think a couple things have happened. I think the two big things are one, you know, they got all this praise for drafting the Georgia guys, Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis. It's like, great. Don't overthink it. Just take, you know, the, the athletic freaks from the, from an SEC program. This is easy. Those guys in college played like 20, 25 snaps a game because in Mm. college you have such big rosters and they're rotating in. And so um, in the NFL, you're playing, what, like 50, 60, 60 snaps in some of these games. And it's been so clear that those two players, specifically Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter, first five, six weeks of the season, it's like, oh, my God, these guys are amazing. And now uh, they're nowhere they're near dragging. Yeah, they're dragging. Yeah. I mean, you, you watched Jordan Davis this last game and it was like the second quarter and it looked like he had played a seven overtime game like he just didn't have it. And so um, I think that absolutely I was going to ask you been a this, big factor. Is
0: it possible he might suck?
2: I, I don't think he, I think his floor is like solid starter, run defender. But in terms but of he's like disappointing. Yeah, I I think when you trade up for a guy that high in the first round, you want them to be like a big time pass rusher. And they don't even have him on the field on most third downs here. So um, Jalen Carter looked great. His film was awesome, like the first half of the season. But I think he's probably worn down a little bit, too.
0: So it's a little like that year when they had the dream team with Asamoah and all those guys. But then (laughs) on paper, it looked great. But then if you actually talk talk to anybody who watches the Eagles, they're like, yeah, Jordan Davis isn't that good. Like,
2: sorry. Yeah, it, and we, and it, our it,
0: linebackers are the worst linebackers in the league. And yeah. we can't cover anybody when we're up 10.
2: Yeah. And that was the I mean, that's actually a funny example because that year, like, Asamoah was like an older corner that they signed. And we've seen this a million times. Very good corner, turns around 30 years old, and all of a sudden their play declines. Like, Go that's James, James Bradbury. You know, they re-signed him in the offseason. And they're starting, I think, four out of five members of their secondary are 30 or older. And so you play a team like the 49ers and you're like, why do the Eagles look so slow and unathletic and can't keep up with these guys? Well, like four out of your five starters in the secondary are 30 or older um, and you're going up against this juggernaut. It's just not going to look good. So, yeah, the pieces just haven't fit together.
0: So I w- I've been looking at the either or teams, the contenders that aren't really contenders, but you also don't want to give up on them, right? Like I think Buffalo's been there all year. We're like, what's going on with this team? I also would want to play them in the playoffs. Casey's in there. We'll, we can talk about them. Philly's the one I've kind of given up on. I just don't think they have it. Like I, I thought that Arizona game to be up 21-6 at halftime in a game you needed to to really like lock, you have the two seed in your control and to just get not just beaten by Arizona, but you got dominated by a, a three win team. I, to me, that was like a cry for help. I don't think it comes back for them.
1: I agree.
2: I agree with you. I mean, when you're playing like that defensively against the Cardinals and now you have a potential path, let's say they even get out of the first round, whatever, where you have to play the 49ers and then either what the Cowboys or the Lions and both those games are on the road to get to the Super Bowl. Like on what planet is Matt Patricia matching wits with Kyle Shanahan playoff playoff game? I mean, like, so like I will say their offense has the pieces still again. All 11 guys are healthy they're going to be more talented than every defense they face. So if you want like the 1%, hey, if, you want to, if you're wanna, if you an Eagles fan listening and like, give me something, it would be that they're winning these games just by score, like they're scoring 35 and maybe they get a turnover or their special teams are really good, like a game like that. But in terms of defensively keeping up with these teams in the there's NFC, there's no way. Yeah, they're just going they to outscore no them. Yeah, I wonder Absolutely. like,
0: if they came out like oh the Eagles are gonna mess around, with no huddle more, or they like they they've added these two tweaks and they're just gonna try to outscore. I'd be like, okay, that's not nothing. But the team we're watching now, no way, KC. I think yeah. so. Raheem, and he's made this case on the Ringer Gambling Show. He he thinks KC's the great value right now for Super Bowl. Like I think they're like nine to one, and you know people are down on them. But then unlike with Philly where you could be like, no, they actually shouldn't have won that Arizona game. That that didn't come down to one play or one drop or whatever. But you go through the KC stuff and, you know, I've watched the games where just a killer drop at the worst possible time or like some stupid turnover. You know, they're in these games more than you think. The game last week, which they ended up covering somehow, um, over and over again, they had the ball and they were driving. They always had to settle for field goals. They let the opponent hang around. But for the most part, it felt like they were in mostly control of the game. And yet, I just can't get there with them. I just think when you get to the playoffs, cold weather, when it gets harder, I don't trust any of their skill position guys. If it's third, third and eight, they're dead. You you just feel like, where's he going to go? And he he can run around sometimes for eight seconds, nine seconds, and nobody's still open. And the big thing is just Kelsey's not the same. I don't care. He, you could say he's saving himself for the playoffs. I don't believe it. I just think tight ends get old. They get old fast and he doesn't get open. The other team's not even double teaming him anymore. Um, I just don't I don't see the weapons. And I think at some point in the playoffs, you're gonna have to have explosive plays. The Pats got in this position with Brady, and it's like pick and pick and pick, and it's got you have to have these twelve, fourteen play drives. And guess what? Occasionally a pass gets tipped at the line of scrimmage yeah. or you fumble A shotgun snap on third and eight, or and all of a sudden the drive's over. I don't think you can win in the NFL with that explosive play. So I'm mostly out. Are you in or out?
2: I'm out. I I made had a dangerous take when uh, I potted with Solak after that Raiders game. I just said the Chiefs aren't aren't getting to the Super Bowl. They're not winning the Super Bowl. They don't have it. And it it always feels a little uneasy because you're like, yeah, "Mm, Mahomes and Reed. Someone's going to, you know, retweet this in a month that I'm going to look like an idiot. But I'm with you. If you've watched this team all season long, the mistakes that they make over and over and over again it's a lot with the pass catchers, you're right. I mean, the one guy who can get downfield is Marquez Valdez Scantling, and he's like the, one of the most unreliable wide receivers in the NFL. I mean, how so, many
0: times has his head been in his hands in the sidelines oh during
2: a game where you're like, "Oh man, somebody's better
0: do a wellness check with this guy." Yeah,
2: even when they yeah, even when they're winning, it's like there's yeah. there's still a couple plays with him every time, so they don't have that. And then it's it's not just the pass catching guys, it's like their offensive tackle situation is not good. I guess that kind of went under the radar in the offseason. They brought in two new offensive tackles signed the one guy, Jawan Taylor, to a big contract Who's to play right tackle. Yeah, yeah, and then left tackle, they've had injuries. And it's like, so if you can't protect well on the edges and you don't have an explosive element to your offense and the quarterback's clearly frustrated. I'm just like, if and, they had ke- answers, and
0: Kelsey's not getting doubled anymore. Yeah. So he's uh, not
2: pulling other people away. Right.
0: You know, he's it's just him and one guy.
2: Yeah. I mean, if they had answers, I feel like we would have seen them by now. Like they're not saving them. for. I mean, yeah. they got to play at home and that's not going to be an easy game. And then they would have to go on the road two times to get to the Super Bowl. So I'm actually in the camp of I feel like I'm going to be fading the Chiefs like if first round, second round, uh, whenever. I could be wrong. Again, it's always dangerous when you're going against Mahomes, but I lean more towards you than Raheem on that. I had
0: uh, on Sunday's pod with Sal, I was saying I thought if I had to pick an AFC team that wasn't Baltimore, I'd pick the Cleveland Browns. And I can't believe I'm saying that with Joe Flacco, but I think their defense is the only one fast enough to go into Baltimore and actually like compete with that team. And their style of offense is the style I've been advocating on this very podcast forever. If you don't have a great quarterback, fucking chuck it downfield. You'll have two turnovers a game. It's fine. You're also going to make two big plays. You'll get a pass interference. You know, your defense is going to have to move back. You'll be able to run the ball. Like, I just think that's how you have to do it if you don't have a great QB, and Flacco loves this. He loves the play action. I think the Browns are good. Like, I'm really in on that team. Where do you stand on them?
2: Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. When you when you said that question, I was like, "Who what I really have the Browns, I think it would be the Browns or the Bills if I had to answer that. Que- the Bills haven't looked good, but it's like you said, you're still like, oh, they're always competitive. They've but- at least
0: shown a ceiling a
2: couple of times. Yes, that's where it. you're like, They've shown oh, the ceiling.
0: that what's that team? I, I'm scared of that team.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. But I mean, the Browns should be in every game. Like, isn't it? It's hard to envision a scenario where they're getting blown out. I mean, I was looking at it earlier. They've lost three games by more than four points this season. And two of those were with Dorian Thompson Robinson. Right. So, so it's like when they've had kind of competent quarterback play, they're in every single game and you're absolutely, I'm with you offensively teams do not throw the ball downfield nearly enough. Like when you look at what it takes to draw defensive pass interference in the NFL, just have the guy come back to the ball or fall down or flail his arms. You're going to get a couple of those and Flacco's just like chucking it downfield. Their offensive line is good. Their defensive line is ferocious. Their corners can play like man coverage better than anyone in the NFL. I think they're a dangerous team. Like specifically, I'm thinking of like if we're at the AFC championship and like, ooh, there's a surprise team. That that would be my team in the a- AFC. And from there, who knows? You only have to win one more to get to the Super Bowl. So yeah, I do like them as a sleeper.
0: Well, they have the six best odds right now in the AFC. Wow. They're 18 to one. Round one, they're gonna probably play Jacksonville unless Jacksonville chokes. We'll be talking about that when we're messing around with million dollar picks. Round two is probably Baltimore. Unless there is some sort of upset in the two seven three six, Baltimore t- coming off a bye, Cleveland's already played them twice. They go in there. You have all this Flacco coming back to Baltimore baggage. You have this Ravens stole the Browns once upon a time. Now the Browns are back to ruin the thing. You have the whole Lamar is just as a different guy in the playoffs. At least so far, that's our experience with him and. I think that's a scary game. That's not the team. Yeah. If I'm them, I'm rooting Oh please Jacksonville, can you can you win this one? Can we play you instead? I would not want to play the Browns.
2: I think they are that team that no one wants to play. Like, even even when the Ravens had success against the Browns, I remember that first game, it wasn't like they were scheming. It was kind of like Lamar just made some incredible plays, which he's capable of doing. But you know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, they schemed it up and got that Browns defense. It was just like, man, he made some plays outside of structure that were awesome. So, yeah, I guess their ideal scenario would probably be to not like 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 if in the first round the sixth seed wins, I guess maybe if like Buffalo were the sixth seed and beats Kansas City, uh, right. and then Cleveland gets to go like Miami in oh, the yeah. divisional round, I mean that's a great spot for well, them. Well Miami's so, yeah. turned
0: into the team you want to play if you're basically yes. anybody, because they yep. can't block, they just lost their two best pass rushers over the span of eight weeks, Yeah, and you know, it, I know we're going to get to it when we get to million dollar picks, but the line really hasn't moved, and it, it's It's starting to smell a little ratty, as John Jastrzemski would say. Like, Why is this line only Buffalo minus three? When Buffalo has to win to make the playoffs, potentially, if Pittsburgh wins, why hasn't the line moved? It's suspicious.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the Dolphins have been good at home. And it, and it's what we said about the Bills. Like the last two Bills games, you haven't watched them and been like, oh, man. Oh, my God. They were so at bad the right against time. the Pats. They were so bad. So uh, I'm with you. It does. Yeah, I thought maybe it would at least get to like three and a half. It, it was three earlier today when I wrote my column uh, for the Ringer. So I'm with because you look at the Dolphins and you, like you said, you lost your two best pass rushers. You're, you know, you might, I think Waddle and Hill, I don't think practiced on Thursday. Waddle's at
0: least, if he plays, he won't be hundred percent. He'll be yeah. like
2: 80%. Yeah. So at first I was like, oh, you know what? Dolphins at home. But then I'm like, I can't get that. The Dolphins are one in four. I did this little search today. Every, uh, team's record against opponents that are still like in the playoff mix, the Dolphins are one in four. And they've been outscored by like 84 points. The only game they've beaten a playoff team was that Dallas game where, you know, they had a drive at the end and would they win 22-20 I or something I thought Dallas like should that. have won
0: that game. I, yeah. I, I actually thought uh, they kind of blew it. Yeah, yeah. So if you have, I mean, if Miami did somehow win and Pittsburgh won and Jacksonville won, Buffalo get knocked out. That is plus 435 on, on FanDuel. <laughs> the... Worst day, worst day in recent <laughs> Buffalo Bills history. It, there, for, there's been a lot of bad days, but that is a plus 435. And then there's a Florida playoff parlay uh, where you can have Jacksonville and Tampa to both take care of business. That's plus 116, which I would not recommend. We're going to take a break and then we're going to go through the games. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. When you have a good team of skilled, talented people, good things are bound to happen. That's true in sports. It's true in business. It can be true with digital companies or websites, podcast networks. If you're running a small business, one of the best places to look for those people is LinkedIn Jobs. They have what you need to find and hire qualified professionals you can't find anywhere else. And unlike other job boards, LinkedIn Jobs has a vast network of professionals like more than a billion people. And it makes the whole hiring process intuitive and easy to manage. They're constantly launching new features to help make the hiring process more manageable. They even created a tool to help write job descriptions recently. Over 2.5 million small businesses trust LinkedIn when it comes to hiring. And over 86% find a qualified candidate within the first day. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Simmons. That's linkedin.com slash Simmons to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Picture this, stacks of sweet brown sugar bacon on delicious Arby's sandwiches you already love. Does that sound like a feast for your senses? Well. Arby's Brown Sugar Bacon Sandwiches are back for a limited time. Available in BLT Roast Beef and Turkey Sandwiches. Try Arby's Brown Sugar Bacon Sandwiches today. You can order the sandwiches online or on the Arby's app. You can tap the banner or you can visit this episode's page to learn more. Limited time offer at participating US locations while supplies last. Okay. I always uh, always have whoever the guest is bring in two picks of their own. With that said, I want to start with Pat's Jets because I'm convinced the Patriots are going to win this game. There are all these different ways they can somehow still get the number two pick if they lose and Washington loses. There's one scenario that seemed pretty conceivable where it's like Chicago beats Green Bay, Pittsburgh wins, Atlanta beats New Orleans, and I think Denver beats Las Vegas. And I was looking at them and I was like, oh, that could happen, that could happen, that could happen. With that said, I know the Pats are going to win this game. I think whether it's Belichick's last game or not, they've been playing hard for him for the last six, seven weeks. Their defense has been excellent. The Jets can't move the ball. And if it is Belichick's last game, I don't think he wants to go out losing in the fucking Jets. He hates the Jets. We pour it on against the Jets all the time over the last 20 plus years. They're only laying minus one and a half right now. And then the other piece is, if you're the Jets, why do you want to win this game? You can go from, like, number eight to, like, number number five or potentially even number four if some stuff happens. Your offense is bad. Um, you waved Alvin Cook this week. Not that he was even playing that much, but you you already said you're bringing the coach and the GM back. So it's not like they're going to be like, we got to win this one. I'm trying to save my job. Why do they want to win this game? I know the Pats are going to win this game, Shiel.
2: I the, the only thing I would say is, is this rat-liney? I mean, by, I looked at it. I go, minus one and a half? Belichick and potentially his last game against Trevor Simeon and they've won what 15 in a row against the Jets and then the motivations you spoke of like Belichick's not going into this like let's get the better draft pick this was I wrote down you know mine in order like the four that I liked and this was definitely one of the four that I liked was the yeah. Patriots because I mean Trevor Simeon going up against this defense in New England there's just two unless this is, this is just one of those like weird Poetic, tragic, whatever things where it's like, ooh, Belichick in his last game finally went like, but I, I I literally cannot picture it in my head that Trevor Simeon goes to Foxborough uh, and wins that game. And not that the Patriots are great, but uh, to everything you spoke of, so yeah, minus one and a half, I like, I like that quite a bit.
0: And they're playing hard for him. If they, if it was like spotty or weird, you'd be like, okay, well they did two weeks ago. They did lay the lay lay an egg. Like that just hasn't happened. They've They've at least been competitive on defense and they've been able to move the ball better the last couple weeks. This line did move. Like I think the Jets were initially favored by one or one and a half. So there has been heavy action on the Pats. To me, it's almost less of a Pats thing and more of a Jets thing where um, I just don't think they care if they win the game or not. I think Belichick does care. And yeah. I don't think if, if this is the end, I don't think he wants the end to be I lost to the Jets. So the fact, I feel like you're getting a, a free point and a half on this. It's a little ratty, I agree.
2: The Jets got to be a one-two-three Cancun team, too, right? I mean, like no they'll have question. their. I mean, come on, like this has been a, a, a season, a, a nightmarish season for them. All these rotating quarterbacks, like they just want this season to be over with, get to their off season, uh, and get ready for potentially, I guess, Aaron Rodgers, whatever that'll look like. Uh, yeah, he's been. At,
0: Aaron Rodgers has been acting totally normal lately. <laughs> I'm saying, good luck with that next year. Uh, the net. Oh, actually, you give me one. All right.
2: You might laugh at this one, but let's see. I, I would not I, laugh at any Week right, 18 okay. pick, just for the record. So, so one of my Week 18 theories is that you fade the teams that are in that have the highest stakes, like they're in like win and we're in the playoffs, and you actually take the teams that have nothing to play for, because everybody's looking at these going, "Oh, this team, if they win, they're in. This other team's got nothing to play." for. And I don't think that's really how it works historically. And so, I'm looking at the Steelers Ravens game. Oh. Tyler Huntley. I know, listen, I know it's Tyler Huntley. I know they're sitting, guys. The Steelers are four-point favorites going to Baltimore in messy weather with Mason Rudolph. Right. Like, I'm looking at this Ravens team. The thing that I think some people get, like, you can sit, guys, in Week 18, but... The rosters are only so big, like a lot of the guys that are going to be on the field are got for the Ravens are guys who have played this season. Granted, it's not going to be Lamar Jackson, but I just look at this and I'm like, well, they're, they're coached really well. They've got great depth. You're going up against a Steelers team that is Huntley's totally a good mediocre. Backup. Huntley's played before. Yeah, it's not like this is somebody we, we've we never seen before. He can run around a little bit. Over under is so low on that game. You know, usually yeah. when the over under is low, uh, you take the points a little bit. It's in Baltimore. I like the Ravens uh, plus four. And they four. hate Pittsburgh. Yeah, they hate Pittsburgh uh, at home against the
0: Steelers. So there you go. Oh, that would be the most Mike Tomliny <laughs> dumb out of nowhere loss he's had in a while. So you don't, well, let's try to talk this out. <laughs> I assume the Steelers are just going to try to run the ball, move the ball on the Ravens, run the ball, run the ball, play action. A little like what the Rams did when the Rams did a really nice job against the Ravens. And I do like the way Rudolph's playing. With that said, I, I couldn't, like I didn't have the Steelers in my picks because I was scared of the Ravens. So it was, it was a lot of like what you were laying out. I was like, what's why am I scared of a Ravens team that's clinched the one seed, doesn't care about anything. So would you go money line or plus four?
2: I would probably go plus four because, I, yeah, I'm, I I feel like taking the Ravens, like t- the game means nothing to them. They're going to sit guys. At the same time, like remember they had that weird preseason winning street What they win 24 in a row, like right. And, and the they weirdly cared about played. it. Yeah, they weirdly cared about it. They're sort of, they're a little bit weird like that. So uh, I like the Ravens plus four because I think it's going to be a low scoring game where even if the Steelers do what you said and they run the ball and they play good defense, like I think it's going to be low scoring, maybe a field goal game. So I I, I like the Ravens um plus four right there so could so the
0: under is thirty five and a half I wonder if it could be a Ravens plus four with some sort of adjusted over of like fifty some crazy whatever yeah all right, I'll, I'll look uh, at that, that would be when surprising I'm, when I'm making my official picks all right here's my next one for you we mentioned the Cardinals before Cardinals plus two and a half against the Seahawks the Seahawks need to win to make the playoffs. The Seahawks are bad. I actually think they're a below average team. I don't think they're good at football. They're, for the season, 32nd and first down defense. 31st on first down. 30th against the Rush. 24th against the Red Zone. Um... The Arizona offense, they are six rushing now and fifth in the red zone. Like they've actually like have an above average offense at this point in the season. Maybe not for the whole season, but right now I'd put them like top 10, top 12. And I just think they're going to move the ball in Seattle. I I know you probably watched the Pittsburgh-Seattle game. Pittsburgh ran the ball down their throats. They big boyed them. I think Arizona can big boy them a little bit. And that line's moved a little toward Arizona, right? It's like, oh, Arizona, they got nothing to play for. Well, their coach is coming back. We've seen this over and over again, this situation where a team where we know the coach is coming back and it's like, you know what? We're not going to make the playoffs, but let's make this our Super Bowl. Let's, let's knock these guys out. Fuck these guys. I just like it. And I like the money line, but I, you could also talk me into like an adjusted plus three, something like that. But I like the cards. What do you think of that one?
2: Uh, I went back on and forth on this one. I, I This is a stay away for me personally. Stay away, because, okay. Because I, I, I couldn't get there because I'm trying to avoid the recency bias with the Cardinals. Like their offense looked awesome last week. Again, they did not punt that entire game. Previous two games, they got blown out. It was better teams. It was the Bears and it was the 49ers. I think they had lost four or five going into that game last week. So I'm like, I don't want to put too much into just that one performance against an Eagles defense that is completely lost. And then on the other side of the ball again the Cardinals are 32nd in defensive DVOA yep. like the Eagles only had six possessions last week and they scored what four touchdowns uh or three right. touchdowns and a field goal or something so they were going up and down the field on the Cardinals in that game so like uh I'm with you I think the Seahawks are very mediocre I do think they're going to be able to move the football pretty effectively against Cardinals but you nailed it with the Seahawks defense I mean this has been what five years in a row where the Seahawks have tried to fix their defense and been yeah. unsuccessful. They traded this for Leonard the Williams. Worst it still didn't work. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Leonard, I mean, all over that defense, they've invested stuff. So um, it's a stay away from me. I, I understand that the Cardinals were legitimately impressive offensively. I think they're going to put up a lot of points here. I just wonder if the Seahawks will put up a lot of points. And then it goes to, what do you think of Pete Carroll? Like, in this spot, with like the playoffs on the line at this point in his career, is he going to be able to, like, he might be able to get his guys up enough to get one last win and at least give them a chance. So I, I don't like fading him in a big spot like this.
0: Or it's a, wow, they just lost to the Cardinals. Should Pete come be, back? That's it.
2: That's true. You're right. You like
0: the cards in a tease up to plus eight and a half. It's a little sexy, right?
2: Yeah, I don't think it's gonna be a. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna be a blowout. Yeah. I think it's maybe gonna I'll, be a messy, messy game. Yeah.
0: Um. What's your next one that you like?
2: All right. Next one that I like. So I have uh, two here. Do you want the favorite or the dog? Give me the dog. Maybe it's the same dog I have. All right. I think it might be because I've heard you talk about this team a lot and I know you like them. Are you going to the Chicago Bears? Oh, you bet I am, my friend.
0: <laughs> All right. Bears, there you p- go. Bears plus three against Green Bay. All right. Make the case.
2: Yeah. So I actually like this Packers offense a lot. Like I am yeah. driving the Jordan Love hype train. I'm going to next August when we're doing shows, I'm going to be like, Jordan Love's going to take the league by storm. However, this fits what I said earlier. You got one team that's playing for everything, another team that's got nothing on the line but is playing awesome football. This Bears team in weighted DVOA, which takes into account like how good is a team playing recently, they're all the way up to seven in weighted DVOA. The wow. Chicago freaking Bears! I've Who been betting thought? on
0: them almost every week. I know. So I'm not surprised.
2: It passes the eye test, right? It's been like two straight months. They're five and two in their last seven games, and their two losses. Have been two by tough a losses. eight points to the Lions yeah. and the Browns. Two really good teams. And so they should have won uh, the Lions
0: game and they yeah. and they were right there with the Browns game. They had a lead late.
2: Absolutely. So you've got a Green Bay defense that I think stinks, that I think is very gettable. I mean, Bryce Young looked awesome against them two weeks ago. So I think the Bears offense is going to look good against them. And I think the Bears defense has been playing really, really well. And so as much as I like that Packers offense, I don't think they're going to put up like 30 in that game. I think they're going to be held in check a little bit. So uh, I want the Packers in the playoffs. I think that's like the most fun scenario. I'd love to see them in the wild card round at Dallas. But I do think this is a tough spot for them. I think this is a coin flip game. You're getting three points. I think this comes down to the wire. uh, And I really like the way the Bears have been playing.
0: I have a couple things to add. Packers are coming off a really nice win in a night game where basically Minnesota just tried to blitz blitz love and they figured out what to do against the blitz, right? And then offensively, the Vikings, their quarterback situation, that guy that they played in the first half was in the running for worst quarterback I watched all year. So, fluke game. I also watched the Packers two weeks ago. They should have lost to Carolina. And Bryce was moving around. I, in my head, I watched Bryce Young actually move around and gain confidence to the point that I picked the Packers last week, and they put up a goose egg me against uh, against last week. Where it's like, oh, really? We're doing this against Jacksonville? You're gonna get shut out. But then the other game that's that's even makes me think the Bears are are even better pick. The Tommy DeVito game. Tommy mm-hmm. DeVito, who's not a football quarterback, who. All you have to do is basically don't let him run around and he's useless and they let him run around. I think he had like 75, 80 yards and over and over again. So we've seen Bryce Young and Tommy DeVito being able to unleash whatever with their legs. And now we have fields. And to me, fields is the worst possible guy to have other than Lamar, Uh, the worst possible quarterback against this crappy Packers team. I just think he's going to be able to run around and do shit all day and also Their defense is great against the run. And so if we're just removing the Packers running attack or at least eliminating it, now we're putting some stuff on love. As receivers are a little banged up, I like this Bears team. You said five and two in their last seven. Easily could have won all seven. To me, this is like this year's version of last year's Lions team that ended the season really well and then punctuated it with a really nice last week of the season win that got us like, and then it was like, remember the last, remember the last half of the season, that week 18 game? I think they want fields to come back. Their coach is coming back. I think they win.
2: Yeah. The DeVito, the DeVito point is a great one. We didn't see him look like that in any other game. No, that was, that was two weeks in a row. DeVito never looked like that again. Bryce Young hasn't looked like that all season, both games. What was the common denominator? This crappy Packers defense that has been bad for years with that coordinator uh, and has looked bad uh, for most of this year. So, yeah, like, it's only three. I I really, I I think it was three and a half earlier this week where I'm like, love it at three and a half. Three is obviously a little bit trickier, but I'm with you. I think these I'm are pretty. I'm taking the three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Evenly matched three.
2: teams here. It's like a coin flip game. So, yeah, I, I like Chicago there.
0: There's the same game parlay I'm going to figure out over the weekend for FanDuel. That's like Bears win, field stars for 150. Fields rushes for 70 plus and like a Herbert touchdown. It's like 12 to one. I'm like, I think that can hit <laughs> 12. Like, why not? Long shot. All right. We both like the, uh, the bears. I really do think they're this year's, oh, remember how they finished last year. Now look at all this extra stuff they did. And basically the, the table set, uh, for them with the lions. I know you talked about this on your show, but give the people your should fields come back take.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I And I don't think it's easy. But I, I think if you look at it, uh, it's been like a three-year body of work where we've never, like the inconsistencies in the passing game are still there. And so I like watching Fields play. I wonder about how sustainable it is. He takes sacks at like, you know, 10% of the time. He fumbles quite a bit. And then he's had some injuries with, like he's not one of these runners who gets down and you're like, oh, he's good. You know, like Lamar avoids big hits. Like Fields yeah. takes some massive hits. And so, I'm excited to watch him further and his career. And I think there's a chance he figures it out at the same time. If you're a Bears team and you have a chance now to like, you know, get one of these quarterbacks with a top two pick, I just feel like you can't pass it up because I mean, there's a scenario where you stick with fields. It's uneven in year four, all of a sudden. And now you have no path to a quarterback. Like they tried to buy a year and now they have the number one overall pick. I feel like they kind of just have to do it. Like I was trying to think, is there a example of a guy like Field who three years in, you still weren't sure. And then in the in year four, it works out. Like the closest thing was mm. Daniel Jones last year. And that's not like the scenario you're looking for if you're um, right. a Bears fan. So I think it's a hard decision. If I were making it, I would say, um, all right, you made it a little bit harder with the way you've played the last six or seven games, but we're going to kind of stick to our plan and, and draft a quarterback at number one.
0: Well, two things. One, could they get him on a cheaper price? Could they get him on an extension for like 25 to 30 million a year versus like what the Giants did with Daniel Jones, which was insane as it was happening. Um, You also have the franchise tag that you could mess around with that the Giants didn't mess around with. The big thing for me is what can you get for the pick? And how desperate is somebody, you know, like let's say Washington looks at it and says, new owner, I want a new guy for my stadium. We'll give you the fourth pick, and I'll give you two more first-round picks and my second-round pick, and then the trade basically becomes Caleb Williams for Justin Fields, the fourth pick, um, two more firsts, and a second, whatever it is. Like I, at some point, the assets you're getting back, knowing that Fields is is pretty good already, is going to make you want to keep Fields because I don't, I know everybody likes the quarterbacks, but it, we've seen it; nobody's a sure thing at quarterback. We have no idea if any of these guys would be better than Justin Fields. Like Penix, and I I admittedly watch as little college football as anyone at the Ringer, but I've watched three Penix games, and he was the best quarterback I saw all year. And then everybody's like, no, he's a second rounder. He's had two surgeries. Can't take him. Like, really? Every game I've watched, he was unbelievable. So I just, I don't think that, I think it's a crapshoot. And you know Fields is like at least solid at this point.
2: It's uh, it would be tempting for what you said, like if you're like defense and be- let me ask you this. Here's what like the analytics, the nerds, they always throw out this possibility and football people never do it. Would you potentially oh, keep, keep it the, and just uh,
0: draft the quarterback
2: or or like you said, if you move down a little bit now, maybe you're moving down to uh, if you move down from one to four, you're getting like a great draft haul. Yeah. Uh, or even further down the that. Is is there another quarterback in the first round you like? Like, what if they get, what if they're like Penix or Jade and Daniels? Or, or like you said, maybe they stay there and you draft a quarterback in the first round and you keep Justin Fields for just the reason you said that this is really freaking hard. Like, it, it's hard to right. scout quarterbacks. We see this every year. And so you say, we're going to take two bites at the apple. Uh, I know it's not 10. No one's done this in the NFL, but I always wonder, but like in college, like, you're competing with another great quarterback in high school. Right. You're com- like these guys, I feel like we underestimate their ability to handle this type of situation. Justin Fields seems like a mature guy. You say, hey, you're going to have a, a competition in training camp. One of you is going to win the job. The other one's going to be the backup and we're going to kind of figure it out from there. And wh- and maybe, you know, one of you is going to play better and then we're going to figure out what to do with the other one. Do you think that is an actual reasonable solution or is that something yes. that uh, people? Yeah, okay. I don't understand. I kind of like
0: it too. I just remember the RG3 Cousins year and then Cousins ended up being the guy. But I, when we know there's no rhyme or reason to this quarterback stuff for the most part, that it's 40 to 50%, why not take two chances at it? And if you could trade back, let's say they trade back from one to five and they get all this other stuff, but Jaden Daniels is there at five, like why not? And then we got all this other stuff. How do we know Jaden Daniels is going to be better than Caleb Williams? I like it. I think it's an interesting idea. Or they could move back like maybe we get to April and everybody's just, it's a Caleb Williams jerk circle. People are just going bonkers about him. Then maybe maybe you leverage that and get a bunch of assets and you still stay in the mix. There's, whatever it is, this is one of the better positions we've seen an NFL team in, which is hilarious because it's the Bears, the team that's (laughs) needed a quarterback the entire time I've been alive other than the one Jim McMahon season. And now they might already have a quarterback and then I have a chance to get another one. So, I love the Bears this week. It's one of my favorite picks. Here's another one of my favorite, Shield. I love the Texans. Mm. Texans minus one and a half, and I'm just telling you now, this is an I am shorting Indianapolis pick. I think their defense absolutely is hot garbage, and I don't know if they the Raiders beat me down the stretch on a backdoor last week. I had I had uh, I had Indy minus three and a half a million dollar picks, and they just threw to a wide open Devonte Adams for the entire fourth quarter. It was that they they weren't even close to covering him. He was just running fifteen yard outs and getting out of bounds. I think, I think Indy's defense stinks. I don't even think they're. I, I'm just they burned me a couple times, but I'm just they just might be the team that they get waxed in this game. And we go, oh wow, why did we think Indianapolis was going to beat Houston? Houston a little more banged up than they were earlier in the season. Obviously, they don't have Tank Dell. They have some questionable guys that were, I mean, Will Anderson, Noah Brown, Woods is questionable, but I'm assuming those guys will play. But the one thing they love to do is air it out. And this indie team, which is miraculously like around 500, but they've also, they've had a crazy easy schedule. I don't, they probably haven't played five good quarterbacks. And I think you can air it out on them with a good quarterback. This is not like garbage quarterback week. Like CJ Stroud's good. And this feels like a D'Amico Ryan's fist pump Way to take care of business, C.J. Stroud. Then they get C.J. in round one. Everybody gets excited about that. And it's only Texans minus one and a half in Indy. Houston's going to be good in a dome. So I, I just think Houston's better. I'm taking them.
2: I, li- I like Houston in this game uh, as well for the reasons. I mean, that Colts defense, it's like one of the most predictable defenses in the NFL. Like they're not, they play a certain way and they play that way uh, with Gus Bradley. As the, the legendary Gus Bradley. Yeah, yeah. And listen, they've done, they like, like you said, they've done a good coaching job this year. Like there's not a lot of talent uh, on that team specifically on defense. But in terms of like Stroud, it's not like you're going to throw something at him where it's like, oh man, they came up with this wrinkle that he's never seen before. So they don't have it schematically on defense, And then they don't have like the players on defense. They don't, they, they just don't have the personnel on defense. Like Stroud played them in his second career NFL game and threw for 384 yards against this defense. So, uh, I think they're going to be able to move the ball really well against this Colts team. I worry a little bit about the other side of the ball. Like the Colts have been able to just, you know, they come up with some weird wrinkles offensively every week. Like last week that Raiders game, I mean, they just come up with two 50 yard passes in a game with Minshew and like, you know, the receivers he's throwing right. to where you're like, what is happening here? Yeah, so who is Alex Pierce? How is yeah. he open once a game for <laughs> yeah. 40 yards? Yeah. So I do worry about that uh, a little bit, but I just feel like if you're sitting there on Saturday, watching this game, like if the Colts win, like you can live with that. You're like, I took Stroud, better quarterback, uh, reliable, good coach. And if something fluky happens, you live with it. But yeah, I do like the Texans when it's. Why are there no pick'ems, by the way? It's minus one and a half. I know. They like, never, this it's has always pick-tax zone. Are the, are Sal and I called the pick zone. Pick'ems yeah, are done. I heard you. They don't yeah, want pickums. they are finished. Okay. So I like so Houston.
0: Indy's defense is 21st this year. That's their, uh, that's their DVOA, I think. Um, can you name like four quarterbacks they played that were good this year?
2: No, they they've had. I mean, yeah, I, I don't have the number in front of me, I, I but I know have
0: prepared. I for know this.
2: going into the season, I know they had a bottom five schedule uh, in the NFL, and they've really feasted on that all season long. So yeah, like they, last they take, week
0: they had Aiden O'Connell, yeah, who had the best, like basically the best game in his career. They played whatever crappy Falcons QB the week before, Trubisky, no Joe Burrow, um, whatever Titans. It was it was probably Levis. Baker, the crappy Pats, Bryce Young, Derek Carr put up 38 points on him. Like these, you know, I, I just think CJ Stroud, I think he can air it out of them. Anyway, uh, all right. Do you have any other ones? Because I have one more.
2: Yeah, the last one I like here is I like Detroit minus three and a half at oh. home against the Vikings. Okay, uh, let's hear it. So this Vikings team, like they've been a great story on defense with Brian Flores doing the quirky stuff where either he's blitzing you all out or he's dropping eight into coverage. But we're at the point in the season, you look at them like the last three weeks and opponents have kind of been like, all right, now we have a handle on what you're doing. Uh, We're going to light you up like their defense has not looked nearly the same here in the last three weeks. They're going back to Nick Mullins on offense uh, in this game. So the Vikings still have a chance to get into the postseason, but I I think they're just like at a bad spot right now in terms of their season. And then the Lions, like this is pretty interesting. They're in the early window on Sunday. And so they're probably going to be the three seed. However, there's that small chance that the Eagles and the Cowboys lose. And I know it's a small chance, but if that happens in the late window Then the Lions get the two seed and like that might not sound like a big deal. That's a huge deal for Detroit. Goff's home and road splits are wild. Like he is a different guy at home in Detroit than on the road. So like they're not going to I don't think they're going to be sitting guys in that game. They're playing at one o'clock Eastern time. They got to win that game and then see what happens uh, in the late window there. And so I think coming off that loss to the Cowboys last week where all right they lost. But I think you felt pretty good about the Lions uh, for the most part in that game. Goff kind of resilient brings them back on that last drive uh you know they made some plays defensively and so i like the lions a lot generally at home with golf and dan campbell and i like them specifically in this spot against this vikings team
0: the only thing that worries me that, so flores just puts the shit out of everybody yeah and in, against some qbs it doesn't work but against Goff, is not a guy like when you have money on Jared Goff and the, and you're watching the game and there's eight guys on the line of scrimmage, I just get scared. Now, maybe yeah. it's PTSD of, of lost Jared Goff bets in the past, but that one part scares me a little. But that Vikings team last week looked like a team that season was done. Like when, yeah. when you tried out Jared Hall on a night game <laughs> with playoff hopes on the line, like you've made the evaluation, this guy is our best chance to win and he's that bad, it's kind of hard to come back from.
2: Yeah. The other thing that scares me, too, and it, and you're right about that, is that Mullins did play the Lions just two weeks ago. And that was the game where he, he threw aired for, it out. Yeah, he aired, aired it again. out. He did. So it makes me a little bit nervous. I will say that he threw four interceptions, but threw for 411 uh, yeah. in that game at the same time. Uh, I don't know. I still I still feel good about the Lions in this spot.
0: One other game I'm going to throw at you really quick. OK. I can't believe it. Well. I, as you know, I do like the Giants plus 200 against the Eagles. Yeah, I just I mean, think, why not? Just take it because in that Eagles game, I think the Giants could could be in that game anyway. But if Dallas is up 17 to nothing at halftime or 20 to three, like the Eagles just sit everybody at that point. Yeah. And Giants, Dayball's coming back. I don't think they care what pick they get. They're already out of like the top three. Can you talk me out of the
2: Panthers? Mm. Uh, I can't. I just turned in my picks column for the ringer and I've got the Panthers plus four and a half in that game against... The, all right, uh, here's talking about the Panthers. We both watched that game last week. They, they couldn't complete a pass against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But they, they he had
0: guys that were open. He was just sailing it over their heads and he was I just a disaster. But at home, he's, he's, he's better.
2: And they played the Bucs in week 13 It was 21-18. They were in that game. They had the ball in the fourth quarter with a chance to win that game. This is the classic of the theory I talked about earlier. You have one team against another team that has nothing to play for. One team win and you're in. And we're all sitting there on a Sunday going, I can't believe this is happening. Are the Bucs really going to lose this game? This one really fits that uh, to a T. Baker Mayfield, by the way, Bill, some rib injury. Uh, this week, did not practice. How
0: about the the fact that Tampa can't run the ball at all? And that's the one good thing Carolina's defense is to get is is stopping the run. So no run game, injured Baker, who looked like absolute shit last week. I don't know.
2: This is high variance. This is one where you could be feeling great about it, or it could be, you know, 24 to nothing at halftime. Because when that Panthers team goes bad, they are and I've taken them a bunch this year. They are a frustrating watch because they can't complete a pass, so uh don't love it, but the side I'm on there uh is, is Panthers plus four and a half.
0: Well, what if I gave you a Panthers Giants money line eight <laughs> eight to one <laughs> eight to one
2: that yeah, I mean you're talking I mean, about the why Gi- not like a yeah. little flyer on that maybe Giants against probably Marcus Mariota in the second half of that game, yeah. Uh, against the Eagles. And then we just made the case for the Panthers. I don't think it's crazy. I mean, you're going to, again, it's one of those where if it doesn't hit, you're going to be like slamming your head against the table, being like, why Giants, Panthers? What was I thinking? But right now, as we sit before knowing the result, uh, I don't hate it.
0: The other piece of the Panthers is this is not a situation where the coach is coming back. And I don't know what (laughs) variable that brings, but Bryce was so bad last week that it actually might be you could make a case, maybe just play Andy Dalton this week and get out of the season and try to rebuild Bryce in the offseason because that's how bad he was. Like, it's like, are you damaging somebody now with the weapons that they have, with their inability to block? Is it worth
2: it? But legit good the week before against the Packers. Right. Like that was the Second first time where awesome. I'm like, wow, he looks incredible. This is the guy I've been waiting for all season long because I like Bryce Young. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of him. I, I've had trouble with the Panthers for most of the season
0: last thing I'll throw at you. Tampa needs to win. I don't think they're good. Indianapolis needs to win. I don't think they're good. Is it worth it just to do the two money lines of the underdogs and think you'll go one for two versus doing the Florida, the Jacksonville, Tampa parlay is plus plus one sixteen? Is it just smarter to take both money line underdogs? Like, you know what? It's not happening. Tampa And Jacksonville, they're not winning, and maybe you throw Indianapolis in that too. Like, are all three of those the these shaky zigzag teams? Are they really going to go three and zero? Because I'm going to say no.
2: Yeah, no, something wild and weird is going to happen, and Jacksonville's another one of those that fits the bill. I'm talking about like, oh, they, you know, they just got to win and they're in. We don't know who's playing at quarterback. We know Vrabel. This year's been bad but historically in an underdog role at home against a division opponent like Vrabel you've made a lot of money if you've just been betting that. You see his quotes that. about that? No, what did he
0: say? He was just they somebody made the mistake of asking him if they were going to like tank the last game <laughs> or throw away and and he just did this whole I hate losing thing. <laughs> yeah. And uh it was like okay. Yeah. And there's been some there's been some rumors that he might, you know, maybe he doesn't come back. I know he's got a couple years left on his contract but Um, there's always been some weird front office versus variable stuff. He would be, if I had to pick the, oh my God, I can't believe that coach is not going to be with the team next year. He'd be my number one draft pick. Who's your number one draft pick, by the way?
2: I I think that's a good one because he's like, they're five and 18 in their last 23 games, which I didn't realize until today. So like they stunk at the end of last year. They haven't been good this year. And they're kind of in that middle ground where they don't have a path for a quarterback. And remember, they added the GM last year it wasn't like this is you know wasn't the same guy Vrabel's been with uh forever so um I, I was looking at that earlier and thinking you know what yeah he could be uh he could be that type of guy so I, I think that's a good one actually
0: I'm trying to think who else would be McDermott's obviously in there but I don't even know that'd be that surprising
1: is And that, then
0: Tom Tomlin would be the other one that I think it would be completely shocking But I don't think anybody would be like, I can't believe it. I didn't see, I didn't see this coming at all. You'd just be surprised.
2: Well, Tomlin, you would trade though, right? Like, unless like, if you wanted to leave, I I don't, I don't think Tomlin is, is going anywhere. I mean, I don't know. You mentioned earlier, like Pete Carrot, what happens if the Seahawks lose this game and don't make the playoffs, you know, like, uh. I don't know. I mean, their ownership situation is really weird. And I think overall, he's done a good job. Like, I don't, you know, they, they, they're in the playoffs. They're competitive every year, and their roster um, is not great. So I'm not advocating for that. I, I still like Pete Carroll quite a bit. But if you're talking about surprises, I, I think Brable's the pick. I'm looking at all the teams right That's here. That's a fun and, trade
0: if he has yeah. stuff left on his contract, because the Chargers and Washington, I think, are both pretty aggressive. I had different people who have inside info yesterday. One told me he's coming to Washington. Like, I'm Who's just telling you, uh, Harbaugh.
2: Oh, Harbaugh. Oh. Yeah,
0: they're like, he's coming to Washington. <laughs> oh you should gosh. float it on your pod because it's going to happen. I'm like, really? <laughs> and wow. then later in the day, somebody in the who knew it was the Charger stuff was like, I think they're going to go after Harbaugh. And I'm like, all right, Harbaugh's <laughs> going everywhere. But uh, I do think Washington has to be monitored because new owner, I think they want to come in and make some sort of giant splash with somebody, whether it's Belichick, whether it's trading for Vrabo or trading for whoever. Um, yeah. I'm ready for something from them.
2: Well, if Washington keeps, if they get this number two pick, like what's a better setup to rebuild a franchise? Like they would have the number two pick. They have a new owner. They have. You, you can have a clean slate with the coach and the GM. It's not one of those weird things where, hey, we're keeping one of the guys like, no, you're breaking that up. You get your pick of any coach and GM. Uh, right. You have a path towards a franchise quarterback and you have a new owner and they like they have some talent on the roster. So, yeah, this is like, you know, since the what early 90s. If you're a Washington fan, this is probably, you know, the one time uh, other than that short RG3 stint where you feel pretty good about your chances to at least have a shot at rebuilding something.
0: Yeah, they didn't feel this way with Carson Wentz. Um, just <laughs> I'll leave you on this one. Steelers money line, Texans minus one and a half, Atlanta money line, Jets money line, Dallas money line, Chicago money line, Denver money line. This is the roadmap for the Pats to lose and still get the number two pick. <laughs> that is I- uh, ninety nine fifty to one or something ninety five to one. Some crazy. It's you risk ten dollars, you win nine hundred fifty dollars for my. Pats get the number two pick anyway scenario. And yeah, lose. I mean, that,
2: that's a hard one to like, yeah, I think there are 32 scenarios where for the two pick where in 20 of them, they lose it. And in 12 yeah. of them, they get it. But yeah, it's such a weird little quirk that if they, uh, if the two teams lose for the two pick, the commanders and the Patriots, all these other games are going to determine whether they get it or not. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. Well, I'll probably
0: regret this later in life, but I've reached a point. I'm so grateful to Belichick. My entire life as a Patriots fan was just abysmal. Like there was something on Instagram yesterday. They ran, it was highlights of the last Patriots win of the 93 season, Bledsoe's rookie year, when they beat the Dolphins in overtime. I think it was 33 to 27 and Bledsoe hit somebody in the end zone for the OT touchdown. It's bad weather and it was like such a joyous Pats game. And it was the first, like literally the first, happy Patriots game in like six years since I think the Tony East and Hail Mary that Irving Fryer caught in 87. And I was looking at that and I was thinking like, this was, we were so rock bottom that Drew Bledsoe taking us to five and 11 in the 93 season in overtime, we were fucking joyous for a week after that. And it's just like, I, I, if Belichick, it seems like he wants to keep winning. I can't root against him in this last game. I, I have to root for him. He, I can't root for him to lose to the Jets. I can't do it.
2: Yeah. Well, it's listen, it's like you said, I mean, who knows it could the Texans remember after week 18 last year, we're all making fun of them for losing the number one pick. And then they get right. to, two, and they get CJ Stroud. That's so, yes, the thing. They, you never, it's like, crap, what is yeah, the right so pick? Hard. We don't even know right. anymore.
0: Bryce Young. Exactly. Oh my God. They got Bryce Young. He's yeah. number one Hey, Jacksonville. Oh, it was all worth it. We got Trevor Lawrence, you know, who knows with him. So anyway, uh, I feel like Belichick, I'm hoping he stays. Do you think he stays?
2: I don't think so. And I understand what you're saying. I listened to you earlier this week. It's hard to break up with like a sports person who's been in your life for so long. Yeah. And it's brought you, like you mentioned, so many memories. I just feel like at this point, they're what? Eight games under 500 since Brady left they don't have a good roster, like their path to become, I, I just feel like this is the time for a clean just, break to just, just say, we're moving in a different direction. And it's going to yeah. be hard. Like you're, they're probably going to be, t- the next guy could suck. There's always that potential for that. But uh, I just feel like, and at this stage in his career, are you going to be able to say, hey, this personnel guy who you don't know is going to be picking the players and you just coach them to Bill Belichick? So it, would al- it almost has to be someone he handpicks if you're going to that structure and then is that person like, oh, yeah, I'm comfortable telling Bill Belichick. No, no, no. the offensive tackle you have graded as six. I haven't. Right. You know what I mean? So It just gets so messy for a guy who's accomplished that much where I just feel like this is a time clean break. And I, I think it's going to be a, a clean break. But uh, I don't know. I, I could be wrong about that. Well,
0: what do you remember when they bounced Andy Reid like 10 years ago? Philly. Now, yeah, he never was- won a Super Bowl for you, but.
2: Right. Yeah. No, he didn't want to leave Uh. at the time. He had a nightmarish season. And it's one of those things where the owner like personally wanted him to stay and liked him. But it was just like you just went four and twelve. You were eight and eight last year. And it's like if he's th- he was out of ideas at the time. I mean, they were ma- it was it's it's actually similar to the Patricia thing. I mean, he made their offensive coor- Uh, their offensive line coach. I don't know if you remember this Juan Castillo. He made him their defensive coordinator. Right. Like it's almost the exact same thing. And it's like, dude, do you not have any ideas to like make the team better uh, right now? So it, there was a similarity there. So and I should not
0: make you the NBA or lead NBA guy. You don't, want, yeah. you don't want that job?
2: No, I mean, maybe okay. if we get into baseball coverage, you know, a little more, uh, if we want to dive <laughs> into right. that and the Phillies are good, okay. maybe. But um, so, I, yeah, I think that's it. Sometimes it's just, it's just time, you know, like Bill Walsh, I think, used to say yeah. like five years is the lifespan for an NFL coach should be in one place. And then it's just time. And this has been like, Way, way more than that. Where I feel like it's just time.
0: All right, Chio great to see you. You're going to be uh, reacting when? I, when's your next Ringer NFL with Solak?
2: Yeah, we're going to do that on Monday. So you'll have the playoff stuff and then all the coach firing. So we'll record that Monday evening and figure out what's going on with the 400 storylines around the NFL.
0: Awesome. And read your picks column that's going up on the Ringer.com later this week. Chio, good to see you.
2: Good to see you. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, we're taping this last part of the podcast. It's a few hours after we taped with Sheil, and a couple things happened. One, I lost a three-set tennis match, nine-seven in the third uh, doubles. But I'm back is the most important thing, an inspiration to all. More importantly, we had a couple line changes. The Seattle line is now three, plus three uh, for the cards, so we're looking at that. And then the other one that changed, the Lions dropped to minus three. Sheil had been talking about how he liked that one. So anyway, we're going to factor those in. And here we go. It's an extravaganza. The million dollar picks for the final week of the NFL season. Week 18. Last week we won $95,000. We're up $1.925 million for the year. And we're going to put some on the line. This is the only time all season that I've staggered some bets. Normally I've just like clumped everything together. I'm not doing that. I have three that I love the most, 300,000 each on these picks. Patriots, minus one and a half over the Jets. Talked about this with Shio Kapadia. I just don't think Belichick, if this is his last Patriots game ever, is going out losing to the Jets. And he's certainly not going to care what the Patriots pick is. I think this team's playing hard for them. I think the Jets could give a crap. They're done for the season. And this probably helps them for pick. We're getting like a free point and a half here. This line should be Pats minus three. We're taking the Pats minus one and a half. And guess what else? I'm going to root for them. Bill Belichick, thank you. Thank you for the six Super Bowls. Thank you for the two decades of dominance. I am rooting for you on Sunday if this is your last game. I loved having you in my life. Pats minus one and a half. Next one, my favorite pick of the week. Bears plus three. In Green Bay, this Bears team 5-2 and two in their last seven and really could have won the other two. And this is this year's, like the Lions last year, uh, where they came on late. Week 18 ended up being like a little bit of a Super Bowl thing. I think they want Fields to be the quarterback, and it's an unbelievable matchup against Green Bay's defense where Tommy DeVito and who is the other one that just ran around on them? Bryce Young. Um, Fields is the best version of the guy that the Packers have had trouble with all season. I think the Bears could win this game too. That's why we're also going to do a same-game parlay that is going to be my FanDuel same-game parlay of the weekend. Bears win, fields 150-plus passing yards, fields 70-plus rushing yards, and Herbert to score a TV. That 1112, So over 11-1 odds on FanDuel. We're going to put 33K on that as well, so mark that one. And then the last big 300K bet, the Texans, minus 1.5 over the Colts, I think the Colts are frauds. I think the Texans are gonna be able to throw the ball on them, and I think this line goes to minus two and a half or minus three by game time. So those are our three bigger bets. And then, we're gonna sprinkle 150K uh, a piece on the following four bets. So again, this is the only time we've done this all year, but it's week 18, I'm feeling it, feeling good. Just had an awesome coffee, still on a high from losing a tennis match, so let's keep going. 150K on the Lions, minus three against the Vikings. Shield made this case in the podcast that the Lions are not a rollover and let's not give a crap about this. They are actually, hey, they might have a chance to get the two seed if something weird happens in the Dallas-Washington game and we know the Giants could absolutely beat the Eagles. So they're going to play hard, we think, and I like the spot. Also, um, Nick Mullins, Vikings quarterback. The Vikings just looked like their season was over last week. So uh, 150K on that Lions, minus three. 150K on the Cards, plus three in Seattle. I think the Cards can win this game outright. Uh, we'll see if Seattle can move the ball on the Cards defense. Feels like a lot of points both ways, but I really like what we're seeing from the Cardinals' offense, and I think they can run the ball down Seattle's throat. 150K on a game that we did not talk about with Sheil. The Saints, minus three over the Falcons. And here's the case. The Falcons beat them earlier in their season, 24-15. to 15. If you remember in that game, Chris Olave went out in the third quarter with a concussion. Shah- Shahid went out in the second quarter. So they were running out of receivers. I don't even think Thomas played. Carr still threw for 304 yards. Um, the Falcons ran 41 for 228 in that game. Ritter had two picks. But the Saints had 444 yards of offense and 22 first downs. And I just don't think the Falcons are going to beat them twice. And I think this is the last Arthur Smith game. So Saints minus three. We're throwing something on that. 150K. Last but not least, teaser. So I thought about putting the Ravens here because Shield liked the Ravens and I, I just couldn't talk myself into it. I don't trust they've got the one seed locked up. We know Huntley's playing and I think they play hard for a half. Maybe they pull back. I just don't totally trust it. We're staying away from that. But we are doing a teaser with the New York football giants against the Eagles. I think they can win this game outright I think they're going to be able to throw the ball. Even if the Eagles come out and and play like the team they were two months ago for two hours, uh, the Giants still could get a backdoor cover. More importantly, as this game goes along, if Dallas is beating Washington, the Eagles will slowly realize we have nothing to play for and start pulling guys. We're pulling the Giants up to plus 11.5. And And then Miami-Buffalo, we got to put something on that. This Miami line, it's gone from 2.5 to 3 to 2.5 to 3. It's bounced back and forth. I think Miami's going to be able to score on Buffalo. I know they've lost their pass rush on defense. I know they have some offensive line injuries. But I think they're going to be able to move the ball. We're going to tease them to plus eight and a half. So Giants plus 11 and a half. Miami plus eight and a half. We're putting 150K on that as well. It's a big weekend, but guess what? We earned it. We're up almost $2 million as we head into week 18. Bill Belichick, thanks again. Tennis gods, thanks for giving me my knees back. I'm not doing any HGH as far as you know. Um, those are the million-dollar picks for week 18. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Howard and Shield. Thanks to Kyle Creighton. Thanks to Steve Sabruti. Don't forget, new Rewatchables coming on Monday. And if you want to check out videos from this podcast, go check out YouTube. I can't speak. YouTube.com slash Bill Simmons. I will see you on Sunday night after Bill's Dolphins with Cousin Sal. Enjoy the weekend. Must be 21 plus plus in in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. You can call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona. Call one 888 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHopeLineMA.org or call 800 327 5050 for 24 7 support in Massachusetts or call 1 877 8HOPENY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers.